Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. Tonight on our 12th episode, one year of podcasting with this wonderful cast, we've got a few things for you. We will go through what we've been playing, buying, and building, slash hobbying. We have a special guest in studio for the whole episode, Will from Anvil Games. Yo. Welcome We back. will preview Adepticon, the greatest... Now five days of gaming in the uh, in the country. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will do a play it or slay it. Play it or slay it. Wow, I almost said play it or slag it. Slag works. S- same yeah, thing. Works. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's the uh, sci-fi version. If we're doing a sci-fi <laughs> game, it's slag it. Review of Saga. So Will is going to talk to us about Saga and why we should get into it or why we shouldn't. Uh, so action-packed Adepticon preview episode. And before we really get into the meat, we should talk about how important it is when you're playing and slaying, you got to stay hydrated. So a little bit of what we're drinking around the table. We'll start with uh, Josh, because I think you have the special beer. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking the Dark Lord mm. uh, 2017 uh, from Jeremy. It was a it was a gift, actually. So friend, friend of, of the, the show. show. Yeah. Fat Kid Revolution, JWoww. It's super good. Is he still listening? I don't know, we but shout out, out to Jeremy if yeah. he's listening. And if not, we take back the shout out. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. But, <laughs> but very keep, good yeah, beer and keep, still keep the beer. Yeah, yeah. still, yeah. still yeah. good. Yeah. Still, thank you for the beer, Jeremy. So, uh, it poured out like maple syrup. Oh, yeah. It's thick. It's sweet. It's delicious. So, what is it? Is it a, uh, a, a like a cognac barrel stout or it's, a, it's they... a Russian? It's a Russian imperial imperial stout. And yeah. I think this year it was. Um, it was was it chocolate? Just yeah, like chocolate or coffee. Yeah, it's like definitely chocolatey notes. So, yeah, it's real sweet, real good, super good. I'm yeah. a big fan. So yeah, excellent. All right, Troy, how about you? What uh, what's in the glass there? All right, uh, last episode we said we I had to break the house cocktail run because I think I was on like four or five shows straight. Um, so I decided to do a little uh, uh, bourbon and cola. But of course, it's not regular cola because nobody drinks real soda. It's Zevia, so <laughs> a little Zevia and bourbon in, a little, in honor of Will Conway. A little whiskey and Coke. Those, Will's, Will's favorite soda, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just we had to have some here for to represent. So, so. I got to say, Will, this is your your first time actually joining us uh, behind the mics. We often reference your enjoyment of Zevia, Captain Conway. I just you know I think you got to drink soda. Yeah, you might as well. Drink soda, you know, not sugar filled. Yeah, the real deal. (laughs) 
All right, well, that's fair. Will, yep. what is in your glass? I'm drinking uh, Delirium Tremens. A, um, it was a surprise buy for me. Um, normally, I'd see it around the holidays, but I was at Costco, and they had those tall, beautiful bottles, and it was Costco prices. I was like, well, mm. can't say no. It's a almost 400-year-old Belgian ale recipe, so picked it up, and I've been enjoying it. And uh gonna gonna probably switch to some uh some Unibrew stuff after this. Keep it a little heavy. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm also enjoying the uh delirium tremens. We'll see um if it actually gives me delirium tremens later. <laughs> <clears throat> but is that a pink elephant over your shoulder? <gasps> so, uh without further ado, let's get into the show. Um First off, I know we are deep into the Adepticon prep, uh, a lot of hobbying going on, a lot of list building, a lot of other activities, um, so there hasn't been a lot of time for regular game nights, but we've still been doing some playing. Um, I know at different points, I think I've either played AOS with some or all of you, so I've been doing a lot of Age of Sigmar, um, just trying to get practice games in. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more in the hobby section, but I'm going to be bringing an untested list to Adepticon after all of my practice <laughs> games, switching it up. But um, Chasing the meta. Yeah, chasing the meta. Legions of Nagash is out, so I haven't had a chance yet to play with the, the army, but I'm excited to get that to the table. On paper, it looks really good. It looks fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, yeah, the necromancer life. I'm, I'm living it. Yeah. I've got Brendan kind of motivating me. He's like pushing me to get my mm-hmm. hobby done and focus on it. Daily accountability checks. and You just got to make sure you're quick on the dice with those recursion lists. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't want to slow down and be rolling dice for 30 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, any, any other AOS games? I know we had, a, we had a game day where a few games got played. But nothing of I don't even remember. I know we played uh, we played some. I probably got beat. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Troy, you did play some Shadespire uh, Warhammer. Uh, Warhammer yeah, right? just uh, just yesterday. I I'm, because I had such a dearth of lack of games. Um, I and I feel bad because we've been trying. We usually try to do like a Friday after work stuff, and that just hasn't been happening. So I'm like, Neil, we're gonna play at lunch. Let's play at lunch. At least get something in. So we played Shadespire. Um, I just took the two, the two. Well, I get they're not the newest factions now; they're the last one. So skeleton orcs, um, and I made because um, we I was making both decks. So I just kind of found on the net some people had created like starter type decks for those two factions. Um, so I did that, and we played, and I got murdered with the skeletons um, because I think I needed to. You definitely need to tune that deck because they definitely play a lot different style than uh, than some of the other ones. They're not a, you know in your face. You really got to figure out how you're going to get your your points and they're, stuff like that yeah so. they're very finesse uh finesse yeah. driven positioning and movement but, yeah. yeah but they were fun. i mean definitely fun i can see i had a lot of fun trying to play them um unsuccessfully but it was good but it was good to get that back out um but i need to get paint on them too and whatever but I, uh, but it was fun to play it i feel bad when i beat those sepulchral guard you know, like i'm playing iron jaws and i feel like there's a guy on the beach stacking rocks and i just run up and i just punch <laughs> it and I'm like, i beat you you know like <laughs> There's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of moving parts for those guys, and I'm just like, well, I'm just going to attack the closest guy to me and kill him and keep doing it until I win. And then when you win, you're like, I don't, you know, <laughs> I I don't feel like I'm some amazing general, you know. 
I mean, the the getting a glory for each kill against yeah. them is what can be the downfall of right. that of yeah. that faction. Yeah, if you're not matching, if you don't have a good way to match it, and you're you know in the objectives that you have as a skeleton player, because you you basically know you're going to give those points up, and if you're not right. getting them back, it's a long. I, I figure I'm giving my opponent five points on average, like right. just from from kills. Mm-hmm. And you have to account for that with some of those big glory um, objective cards. And if you don't hit them or you get them out of sequence when you need them, it, it hurts and it makes it tough. Yeah. But uh, the new the new factions, what release, did they release today? Today, yeah, right? today. Yeah. Um, so today, today is, uh, what is it, the 17th of February when we're recording? Um, so Fire, the new ones. Fire Slayers and Skaven. Uh, Skaven have a coming back out um, mm-hmm. ability. A lot of power-up based Fire Slayers look similar to Iron Jaws, durable, hit relatively hard, um, but a smaller, I think, yeah. only four of them. Yeah, so that'll Those be fun. Four. So that's going to change four. the meta again for Shadespire. And yeah, the neutral cards good, look really so. good. Um, and with the Grand Clash coming up at Adopticon, it'll be really interesting to see if anyone's actually getting them to the table because they made the rules cut off. Uh, so you might see Fire Slayers or Skaven on, on the tables yep. at, at Adopticon. Cool, cool. It'd be interesting to see how many of those cards make it into decks too. I wonder if they'll do like a, like a you know, like a the way Wizards does it with Magic, like a deck tech where they show you the cards people took to the tournament. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the the community page has been doing that. Um, not every deck, but at least the winning ones and a few of the top ones, mm-hmm. showing some of the builds, doing features. Uh, Shade Glass is a cool site. Um, it's a UK blog that does a lot of Shadespire deck builds and stuff. Uh, and then they have the card library now on the community page, so people can do pretty easy reference. And Could you imagine to... Games Workshop banning a card, like saying, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> this is our Games Workshop ban list for cards for, you know, yeah, March 2018. Yeah. People are like, oh. The, uh, the internet uproar list. would be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can just see the Reddit now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a certain West Coast company that does card games. Speak, speaking of yeah, West speaking Coast of, uh, companies yeah. that do card games, Josh, you haven't been playing much on the table. No, but I've been playing a lot of uh, certain uh, West Coast companies' beta card game that I'm not probably supposed to talk about, but yeah, I mean, everybody it's, knows. It's out there. They're streaming it on Twitch. Right. Uh, Arena. I don't know. We yeah. haven't uh, released it at all, but um, beta's been fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it started pretty. It, I mean, it was it was a beta for sure, and the, they finally got it to a point where it's like, hey, this actually looks like a really nice release. So they're you know figuring out all the they're figuring out all the kinks and um, tweaking things and making sure the skins of everything look good and um, yeah, it's it's looking really great. So um, I'm excited for an actual release date whenever that comes. Definitely feels like an improvement over Magic Online. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I played that for a while, and then you kind of just get it, it, it gets old. Um, yeah. But yeah, they and it looks like they're going to add events and stuff too. So it's not just going to be like, hey, I'm going to play you, you know, or I'm going to play, you know, a one-off game here and there. But they're going to actually do round robin events and things like that. It, it, it looks like so. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, yeah, more more to come. Very yeah. exciting. Um. Will, how about you? What what have you been getting to the table when you're not playtesting? Uh, so, still playtest a handful of games of Ethereum a week. Um, you know, it's kind of like a all-work-no-play scenario with Ethereum. 
as you learned playing against me in Las Vegas. <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, I do this, now you lose. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're bad at this. Yeah, I was pretty terrible. But, I also uh, was exhausted and maybe hung over. But we we took the, we walked the same path. <laughs> that's, that's no that's no, no excuse. excuse. Yeah, play like a champion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah. Uh, been playing. Um, one of my friends started a, a weekly or bi-weekly massive darkness night, and mm. you're doing like the campaign play where it's every ten kills get you one experience. So yeah, the slower kill. progression. Yeah. And even though I'm playing like the Bone Crusher, who like. Um, he does damage as he enters squares for free, and then I also have the the character who's like, who's the paladin man who lets you learn abilities for one um, fewer experience. He uh, it's still it's it's quite the trek, but it's it's fun because we we played the like the starter scenario and like the first scenario at the fast pace, and then we dialed it back, and it feels. Um, it's like the old, uh, you know, like the Diablo, like the hardcore mode. It's mm-hmm. that's what it feels like when you like amp it up to like eleven. You're like, all right, let's see if we can make it through this. Yeah, the left lower grind. We've yeah. uh, we've dabbled with Massive Darkness, and it's a game that I think would have a lot of legs if if we could get it regularly played. Yeah. So that's, and that's the trick. Yeah, yeah, and maybe if, for people who aren't familiar with it, can you talk about when you talk about dialing back? It's really how fast you gain experience, right? If yeah, I remember the so rules. When you, when it's like you, you know, you're familiar with Zombicide. It's the same, the same company and almost the same premise. When you kill enemies, you get an experience. But there's the campaign mode where they introduce micro experience, and basically, uh, monster kills only count for one micro experience, and you need ten micro experience to equal one experience. So basically, they've taken what in the short play is one monster kill and turned it into ten. You have to kill ten monsters to get the same amount of experiences in the like the quick sit down and play version. Mm-hmm. So you feel the reason it kind of dials it up is that you're kind of counting on getting like you're you know unlocking your charge ability on the damage dealing guy or unlocking taunt on the tank, and you have to go further without getting those abilities. So it it makes the game quite a bit harder and it makes it more cooperative too because. <laughs> If if you know the damage the dealer doesn't have the charge ability, you make sure that when somebody gets loot, you all meet up and you like exchange that loot to see who's the best person for it. So I mean we've all we've all played that zombicide game where one guy gets like a great weapon and just runs yeah. in like one direction <laughs> and just leaves a trail of body parts yeah. behind him. You know, tears through everything, leaving his friends behind in his wake. Yeah, can't can't do that as much in in, in massive darkness. You get a. Yeah, well, at least in the campaign play, you gotta you gotta plan it out. Well, that, it's great. You you take like a picture of your character sheet at the end of the end of the night, and uh, you know, break. Come back two weeks later, and you get out your picture on your phone, and you reset the character, and you reset the board, and you're like, oh my god, I'm back in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds good. So it's interesting that you're playing in the campaign mode because I had gotten talking to somebody, and the feedback they got, and maybe my guess is maybe they were playing the quick mode is it got kind of repetitive like they were playing and it just got to be a little bit of the same the same which probably makes sense like you're saying if you're mm-hmm. if you're kind of on easy mode and and so they kind of just let it they they kind of stopped playing right they're like oh it was fun to play but it didn't but it sounds like yeah there's a lot more um, you know strategy and thinking to it if you play it kind of the the probably the mode they expected you to play it right yeah i'd imagine the easy mode you would just go through the whole book so quickly and then you you kind of shrug your shoulders right like well all right i beat it but you know i'm not not saying it's like a gloomhaven level of investment but <laughs> the campaign mode is definitely like oh my goodness how are we gonna get out of this one kind of thing and uh 
other than that, um, the Plainsmith Saga, um, I enjoy it. I, I like the, the historical aspect of Saga. And, um, well, it's Age of Sigmar. I've been trying to get Anvilate Brian ready to go. He, uh, I talked him into it. He, he, he's, he's never done like a, a convention tournament. And we're stuck in the booth usually at every convention we go to. And I was like, dude, you got to get out there, like, experience that convention yeah. tournament. So we got our good friend down in uh, St. Louis, Dr. Gabe. He got team tickets for the AOS team tournament. And I told Brian, I was like, that's it. You're going with Gabe. It's going to be the two of you. And uh, he was like, you sure you don't need me at the booth? And I was like, well, what do you even do? You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, you're just a face. You, you go be a face over there. You know? so, we'll, uh, we'll take care of him on the on the tournament floor. We'll make sure uh, he's good and liquored up by round two. Yeah, so he uh, he was doing death, and he had that like crazy skeleton Death Star. When they're like over twenty models, they get more attacks or something, and then they get a buff that even more attacks, and and then uh, he switched it over. He's doing uh, Nurgle Mortals now. And uh, I'm now doing the crazy death, the pestilence death star against him to give him some, give him some training. And I, I don't feel like it's training at all. I feel like it's picking up a baby and throwing it against a wall. <laughs> and say, now, baby, what did you learn? And, like, you know, walk it away. Because that's... How do you do this differently? Look at your deployment. Look at your movement. So yeah. it's, uh, Look at your smashed head, baby. It could get pretty brutal. I mean, there's, there's going to be some really high-powered teams that are out for blood and there's going to be some you know basement heroes that don't just, really know what they're doing and just i'll show play. up with two star drakes brian needs to come play me because oh, i i don't win either against these Bri- guys brian so. uh brian's the reason i'm painting my saga because <laughs> yeah. brian complained that he's like we need to make soft scores a thing because <laughs> i think i was like seven and oh against stuff and he's like we need to have soft scores because his stuff is beautifully painted mm, yep his Vikings are on like snow bases with like blood dripping on the bases and stuff. And my Irish are, uh, um, they're in, um, I guess you call it, um, metal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they're on, uh, MDF bases. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, for the longest time they had no weapons because, um, like Saga, the, the models are completely decentralized. No, no one company makes, has like exclusive rights to the models. So I bought some models off some guys, and uh, you have to like put the spears on them separately and the bases on them. You like acquire those separately and everything. And I didn't know that. I just like bought the box and I went to play it, and I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't have bases or weapons." <laughs> <laughs> so it made it even look worse for Brian. He's like, "I can't believe I've got like a beautifully painted up Viking warband, and you're just <laughs> laying down models with no base." <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he was not impressed by that, but. Uh, I think he's coming along for Age of Sigmar. He won't be an easy target, for sure. And, you know, now that we have, like, dedicated offices, we might get more practice games in each week. That'd be cool. We got the little play play table in there. I'll need to start driving down for uh, after work. Yeah. <laughs> Come in for a, a game or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we play test pretty late at night when we're going. I mean, I walk out of that play test room at 11 o'clock some nights. Just because if we see something that's like a blaring fault or, you know, we f- we like remedy it on the spot and then run it again, you know, like re-rack and run it again, change it this way, re-rack it and run it again. 
so it uh it can get pretty uh, pretty intense but most of the time it's a little more mellow like we'll play something and then take a week off and come back to it but coming down to uh adepticon's a big day for us adepticon is obviously we've always called it our home ice and we want to have stuff ready to go my adepticon Mm -hmm. so we'll even we'll even do like smaller orders from manufacturers to get stuff by adepticon Mm -hmm. because obviously that shrinks your window (coughs) of getting it delivered sure so. I need I need to shrink my window for Adepticon. Yeah, I, I know we're gonna get to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the road to Adepticon hobby progress for for you guys totally different, but for yeah. um for us it's it's getting grim. We're down to thirty ish days out. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of which, Adepticon hobby progress. Troy, you're dominating the hobby progress at the table. <laughs> no, but I am. What would you say? Thirty days left. Thirty-one. And, uh, days? Yeah, I think as we're recording something, something like, like that. that. Two days. <laughs> Too close. Yeah. So I've been heads down on Space Hulk, um, and I went off into uh, a little bit of a uh, experiment and fun adventure in the world of uh, molding and casting. Because um, I decided, John and I decided we were redoing some of the big rooms, the big room and center stuff like that. And we went down an adventure of um, looking at some of the old GW, you know, whatever it was, Sector Imperialis terrain, which is somehow reason is like gold um, to try and find those pieces. And we had a bunch of them. And so, I'm, but, but then I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder if I could kind of make something and then kind of cast it and do that so i went down i found this stuff the smooth on if you've heard of the smooth on stuff um you can get on amazon it's like a kit for like 50 bucks and one piece is lets you build the silicon mold um and so i did the whole thing with my little legos and took my basically it was this kind of flooring pieces that i made and then poured the silicone made my mold and then started and then the plastic is just two part like uh, some kind of plastic epoxy stuff mix them up, dump them in there. I was amazed, like 15 minutes, boom. Oh, it, it's all, yeah. 15 minutes, it 15 sets? 15 minutes, it sets. Pop it out, throw it over, and, and do another one. Um, wow. And so, um, so I probably did, I don't know, I probably did 100 and some pieces of stuff that's, over. That's crazy. Um, to do that. And then I actually, so, and then I did a second mold, because my first mold was, it, it was workable, but I'm like, oh, I can do this better. And I did a second mold. And so I had two molds to make flooring pieces. And then I did a little one with the old, um, if you've seen just the regular stuff you'd like, you put in hot water and then you make, can make a mold out of it. That's the fact. I tried, well, let's see if that works. That worked fine. I used that for just a little base. I'm like, I'll do a little base. And so I kind of had it as a mix so I could, my two little cups that I'd mixed together made and give me enough stuff, resin, to pour in my two molds and my little base mold. And so I just kept doing that for like two weekends to do that so that got me so i think i have the whole so i let me do all just a couple big rooms now that um in the past we were kind of i'd kind of kind of jerry-rigged and done some stuff i think this really looked gonna look really cool um and so and then i also have a bunch of the new uh um what's the uh new terrain sector whatever it's called Stuff for Necromunda. Zone Mortalis or no? Well, the, stuff for Necromunda. Whatever sector that, Mechanicus. Mechanicus, yeah. Like so, the, the Ferritonic Incinerator and yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah, so I ended up... I don't know how many kits of that I had, but I, all that... I'm using a lot of that stuff, too, in there, so I think the board looks pretty cool. Um, I kind of tweeted out a couple of pictures of where we were in the in the thing, so I'm pretty happy with that. I still got to put some paint on some stuff. Uh, and John and I have been messing around with how we're going to tweak some of the rules, Um 
from last year. So we're using the same scenario. Basically, we're just kind of tweaking some of the stuff. Um, GW put out some real rules for um, you know GW hybrids and things like that. So we're probably gonna gonna tweak them a little bit and use some more of the official GW rules, but it should be pretty close. So so that's been my main focus. I still have to put a 100 power level 40k army together who knows what that's going to be <laughs> it'll either be ultras necrons or maybe i'll just do i'm thinking about doing gene sealer cult uh just because i already have the models and i can kind of get two birds of one stone by painting that stuff for so, the for the gentleman's tourney they're doing power level yeah it's just 100. like 100 power level um tournament cool. so that's it's like a 2000 point army though that's yeah. so it's it's not uh yeah i don't know if i can throw how fast i can throw it together but i have like i said i haven't 75% or more of any of those armies kind of ready to rock, so we'll figure that out. Um, that actually reminds me, Brian gave me a little Tupperware container full of, he backed a Kickstarter a few years ago of 3D Space Hulk terrain. Oh. I forgot to bring it, but it was like a gift from the, the father of Anvils to the Bodfather. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do, well, and actually, that's good to bring it up. So the other thing that, again, we, like I didn't have enough to do, um, is a guy from printablescenery.com. And so he there, he does, you know, 3D models for 3D printers. Um, he does a bunch of fantasy terrain and stuff like that. He's actually doing a Kickstarter for some 3D Space Hulk terrain. Basically, he's created 3D versions of actually the exact board pieces that you get in the game. Um, some pretty cool stuff. And so, and he's actually from New Zealand. So it's, um, and so he reached out. And so we're actually going to kind of, he doesn't have room at his booth to demo it. So we're probably just going to have his stuff set up kind of next to our board uh, and just probably just have it set up so people do some demo games and things like that. Um, some pretty cool, um, some pretty, so we can check them out. Yeah. Printablescenery.com do some pretty cool stuff. Um, and we'll have that there too at, at Adepticon and, and uh, probably and meet up with him. He's going to be up. It's funny. He's coming up here for GaryCon. Oh, cool. Uh, the week before he's going to hang out yeah. kind of the, that whole week, um, which makes sense. You're coming all the way from New Zealand. You probably don't want to just come up for four days and, and fly yeah. back. Right. So that's so. So that's uh, yeah. Another thing we'll have to figure out too. But luckily, that's pretty much all his stuff. There, all I have to do is kind of have a table and probably have somebody from the BOD hanging out there to help run run some of that stuff. So, do you, do you guys already know where your uh, table's going to be at Adepticon? We are post up. Yeah, we're up on that second floor again, kind of that open gaming area, and uh, we'll just probably have an area kind of carved out for ourselves that we're going to have for all day starting, kind of the end of the day Thursday, all day Friday will be Space Hulk, and then Saturday we'll probably still have the the printable scenery guys Space Hulk demo, and then Josh will be running his Zombicide stuff on there on Saturday. So speaking of which, three D, three D Black Plague. Tiles, same tiles. Have mm. you made zombie progress? Hero progress? Any progress? Mm. Yeah. All right. So, yep. zombie side at Adepticon. <laughs> there's, there's events that sold Bring out. Bring your own heroes. Bring your own stuff painted. Oh. No, we, we, yeah. I mean, we have. You guys have we have heroes and have painted. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's painted. It's just, I, I didn't paint my own. I'm borrowing yeah. your guys'. Just, just playing around. Yep, yep. So, so that'll be fun. Uh, Ethereum. Troy, you're you're participating in the events going on. I'm pretty sure Saturday I'm in some event. I have to put together some kind of force for that. You're going to win it, right? Um, competitive Ethereum. I didn't no, think there was competitive it's Ethereum. Not, it's not. It's our narrative. Uh, people like our narrative event. I think Saturday is actually our most booked uh, day for events, which is nice. But uh, it's the the Ramax narrative event. Okay. But, so Troy, bring painted stuff. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna show up without painting stuff. No <laughs> matter what. If, if I'm painting it on Friday night, well, it won't be. I'll be painting it the Wednesday before Adepticon, but it'll be painted. 
even if you don't paint stuff, we have fully painted collectives waiting there for people. You know, that's what we tell our our fans, like, oh, you know, because it's we'll have the Ramox there to play. And it's like last year we had the Razux there to play, and the year before we had the House of Cario. And uh, if you have the stuff painted, and you, we have the cards, so people can come and sit down, like they can buy the new hotness, and they can go to the mm-hmm. event table and sit down immediately and play, and play a painted collective of that new hotness and get a feel or they can play it and get a feel for it and then decide if they want to buy it because you know not every collective is for every person right but mm-hmm. just something we like to do and it catches people off guard when cause i don't think anybody else does that where you can look at the stuff that comes out that day and then step 50 feet away and sit down and play a game with it fully painted and have a guy there to teach you all the stuff have have you guys been doing the the hobby prep for the events or do you commission that that work out we only commission our studio models, the ones you see at the booth. All that stuff people play with is uh, we we paint that up ourselves. But we like assembly line, you know. One somebody would get. So for Razex last year, I had all of the Aurelias, Lady Aurelias, and um, Aurelia Kingsley, and uh, the Dive Masters. Is that why the bases look so good on all yeah, of the I, I Aurelias? Hand cut Starbucks coffee stirs in a herringbone pattern. And put it on the on the bases like it's the deck of a ship. Wow. <laughs> the only problem was none of the guys did that. So <laughs> people would sit down with these thirteen to fifteen models and they would have Aurelia and the dive master be like, those bases look sick, and then they'd have <laughs> ten plus other models. The chaff. <laughs> Although my, my painting was not as good as, you know, like Brian and Chris's. And I think I knew that, which is why I was like, I'm going to go. And those are actual hardwood stained myself with, like, Minwax. See, see, man, that's <laughs> you know. the trick. You do good scenic bases and hide your lackluster paint job on yeah. the uh, and I, I models. Got, that's my trick. I get so experimental, too, and I have no right to do it. I'm not that good. <laughs> like, the dive master, I figured, like, he's in the murky depth, so he's going to have, like, almost look like he's in the dark. So everything was like darkened a bit, and then people are like, "You didn't paint that model." I was like, "If you look, there's actually like twelve different shades on him, but they're all yeah. just very dark." And people were like, "He looks like he's not painted." And I was like, all right. <laughs> "Well, screw, screw me, man. Why bother trying? I'll just go back to what I know." Yeah, the tanks in World War II rolled off the line. Yeah, <laughs> you get a coat of paint, yeah. right? Yeah, they were opening those doors in Stalingrad and shooting right across the river, no paint on them. Um. Well, you've been doing some uh, soft score work on your Saga War band, right? Yeah, um, I just I got to get him painted up before I play Brian again, or he'll pull some weird soft score number out of his butt. And be like, well, actually, I won. I'm like, you've no guys left alive. And he's like, yeah, but they looked really cool when they were dying. He'll play some card. Right? Yeah, I'll be like that. That was going around that. It'll be all right. The Duncan card. Yeah, I actually talked to the designer of gangs of rome not too long ago and they have a thing in gangs of rome it's a it's a historicals type game it's like a skirmish roman game where you're running around and like fighting with gladiators and mobsters in ancient rome and they have a personal influence marker so like when you beat your buddy you have to sign a piece of paper and hand it to him and there's like a like a d66 or something chart in the back of their rule book or just a table that you can look at, and you can cash in those PIMs, they call them personal influence markers. 
So when you lose to your buddy next time you play, you can open up the back of the book and cash in and be like, I'm going to pick so that like your guy and my guy are brothers and they can't fight each other until they're the last two left alive. <laughs> and you like pick out two of your models that each of you have on the table. And I was like, I'm going to start doing that for Brian. Like when I beat him at Guild Ball or stuff, I'll be like, I'll hand him one of my like influence markers and say, you have that now. So your guys have one more influence and I have one less next time we play. Oh God. And you can, you know, do as you wish with it. So I think it's Saga. Oh, like every time I beat him, I'll give him a Saga die. I'm like, here you go, bud. <laughs> but uh, I've been working on my my Irish warband getting some nice banners for him. And I want like a good historic banner. I tried messing around with it. And I was using my Age of Sigmar um, Clan Pestilence Rats because there's so many of them. Like when I have a swarm, like they're my they're my test models, right? The whole army is the test model if I consider it. So I was like trying freehand stuff on them to work up to the Saga guys. And I think I told you about that one banner I was working on for the Skaven. And I got you know two days into it, and I bought um, freehand Saga banners online. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was looking at this. I was, the plan was to work up to like a Celtic knot, you know, like a cross and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got two days in trying to draw a fly on a pestilence banner. <laughs> and I bought, I bought Saga decals on that. I was like, that's uh, it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pulling the ripcord on this one uh, for my own sanity. Yeah. Yeah. Bail out. I'm speaking of sanity. I'm fraying at the edges 30 days out with my third army change. Oh yeah. Uh, to the new death army i have <laughs> i have 60 skeletons five black knights two necromancers a white king 30 grave guard to paint and an arkin in a, pe- in a arkin, tree. arkin's painted arkin's oh, painted right. uh so 320 of my 2000 points are painted um i still have 15 skeletons to assemble 10 grave guard to assemble <sighs> what's so funny ty is we were talking about it right is you about well, probably two or three months ago we were talking about how you weren't going to do that. like yeah don't let me do this don't yeah. let me switch my list four times between now <laughs> right and you just kept saying and you get then you just walked right into it and, and will is and future ty, ty. ty has this beautiful thing that none of us else have ty can talk to himself in the future <laughs> <laughs> and ty doesn't listen so when future ty says no you idiot what are you talking about you've got less than a month uh, he's like you know what future ty I, i'm gonna do it but you know. <laughs> here's the thing though i'm gonna do it i'm going to get it done the army's gonna look great and i'm gonna win three games and lose two on sunday so <laughs> uh sh- nikes i think we've just proved that there is that you can't change the future even with time travel as ty has proved mm-hmm. you cannot change your fate yeah i am getting my night haunt done though so that army is not going to be left by the wayside i'm running night haunt for the team tournament so i have a thousand painted now or close to Gonna get the rest of those guys done. Finish my skeletons. I'm gonna have two full two thousand point armies ready to roll for Adepticon, and then maybe flip a coin for which one I play. Cool. And I'm gonna play the Legions and the Gash because they're better. <laughs> so it is all hobby. Um, since buying is hobby progress, though, I've bought a lot of death models recently. That counts for hobby progress. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought the the Barrel Lords to get the Grave Guard I need, the Black Knights, um, three boxes of skeletons from GW. So I'm, I'm doing great at purchasing. That's awesome. Um, bought Milan Portents, the campaign mm-hmm. supplement that that came out. That's a really gorgeous book. Great art, some really cool narrative. Mm-hmm. Introduces Portents to 
um, Age of Sigmar, which play like stratagems in 40k. So there's a deck of cards, and you can play them throughout the game and manipulate the game state. So obviously it's narrative uh, play. It doesn't really fit with match play. Um, and I, I got the uh, the new Legions of Nagash book, the Port and Stice. I didn't buy the new Combat Cage. Evidently no. I'm not that good at Age of Sigmar because I don't have four Combat Cages around my neck. <laughs> I need one, so maybe I'll buy that one. I do need one Combat Cage. Speaking of Age of Sigmar, I, I've finally bought the blades of corn book and because I, I have like a corn army on the back burner I sent, you know, at some point i'll i'll uh crank into that so i bought the book and the cards murder host took like two or three of I the know. masters if i didn't if i have like nothing painted though that's the problem just dip it in red paint just dip it in wash red, it wash highlight done. Base done. Done. You get some extra hobby points if you have actual your own blood in that red paint yeah. before you dip it in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Dip so, um, cut yourself when you. We uh, we paint. won't get into the slash Nurgle <laughs> hobby points. <laughs> <No, that's good. laughs> no. Nurgle is scary. Well, and then uh, with Ty talking about Legions of Nagash so much, I bought the book for that as well, just because I wanted to take a peek and see what's going on, and it's yeah, very very cool. So. Yeah, and the 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 cards too are pretty cool. Um, the War Scroll cards. Yeah, the War Scroll cards. Yeah, yeah, I picked those up. Uh, but the um, uh, Stormcast ones for the team tournament. So I thought that would be handy uh, with Paul and I. So yeah, excellent. Um, man, I made mistakes have been made for my <laughs> my purchasing. Um, so Rising Sun showed up, the Kickstarter finally, which we bought that a year ago, so that doesn't really count, but that showed up, which is taking up more space than I have room for in my house right now. I bought and sold it. Oh, you the did? Same week. You got rid of it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm actually going to start an investment uh, fund where all we're going to do is invest in Kickstarters and resell them because I made a 50% profit on my... Specifically CMON games? On CMON <laughs> games, yeah. I think you still have to be... There's some used to speculate correctly on which ones they're going to, but... Sure. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was just... Yeah, I didn't... I wasn't feeling it for Rising Sun, so I flipped it really quick, mostly because I don't have... I, part of it is I don't have room either. That, that was really easy to do that, but I was happy to at least get my money back, plus a significant thing although i'm still interested to play it i'm well, interested I, to... I read the rule book today so i'm ready to go excellent who who are those people those people that don't back simon kickstarters and then wait a year and buy them and then drop 1.5 times the pledge <laughs> mm-hmm. amount yeah. on ebay yep. like if you're that person listening right now <laughs> reach out to the basement of death let us know we'll we'll kickstart everything and yeah. tell them what's wrong like, yeah and is it just that you need maybe yeah. and i'm just doing a service where i'm i can i'm prepaying the kickstarter for you and it's kind of like a loan shark right yeah and just that for a 50 percent interest you can have it when it comes in the year later <laughs> you're you're that investor up front the mm-hmm. seed money you're the startup mm-hmm. um but and then of course because I didn't kickstart this game. I went out and bought it retail for $140, Gloomhaven. The box showed up. It weighs legitimately 20 pounds. It is the heaviest board game box I've ever had, and it's huge. There's so much content in there. So I, I'm getting anxiety anytime I open the, the box <laughs> to, to look at the game. Um, the, the book, the cards, the, it's just it's insane. Yeah. 
So I'm sorry, Ty, because we were, I don't know, we were on texting or something and like and you were like oh should i buy you're between two games hammer it was like gloomhaven and something else charterstone i want to charterstone buy, yeah. and you're like ah oh, but gloomhaven's like 100 200 buck 200 bucks yeah. online i can't find anywhere and i'm like ty it's on amazon right now for like a buck 30 something and, and, and i <laughs> found out because they they did the the print release the print run yeah. before that there was only a few out there because there was a guy at lvo when will and i were there yeah. selling it for 200 dollars highway robbery <laughs> And online was like 190, and then you sent that. I'm like done 140. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like five minutes later, he's like, "Oh, bought." Yeah. <laughs> uh, who bought King Domino? That's a great game. Um, I did, it. and that's all because of these tremendous reviews I heard on some podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't got it to the table yet, but I picked that up in one of the recent miniature market runs. Nice. It's a fun, quick one um, to just sit down and play in 15, 20 minutes. And then something else showed up. It was Christmas at Troy's house today. Yep. Zombicide Green Horde. The zombie orcs are finally here. So, yeah. Did you get the, the dragon? Uh, it's the, only guy, the only thing they shipped was the base game so okay. far. So okay. all the pledge, all the extra stuff is still on some slow boat from China or something. You're going to keep this one? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I opened it got it opened it <laughs> sleeved all the cards put all the pulled everything out punched it it's all and put it all back it's ready to rock and roll and hit the table as soon as they're ready to play there's a box full of pvc samurai crying somewhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, tortoise, the tortoise clan or whatever yeah. is aligning against uh, troy to attack his home <laughs> you guys you guys saw that story right about the the name for the the oh, monkey god yeah. in Rising Sun was just the some rage, random guy in New demon. Zealand, yep. yeah, Kotahi or whatever the, the Co- Kotahi, yeah, it was a uh, some guy in New Zealand with a Maori name, and yeah. w- he he was known for being the table flip guy in his in his in his group of friends, and what ended up happening was one of his buddies thought thought it'd be funny to name an ancient Japanese monkey of rage after him. <laughs> And ends I up guess, on Wikipedia. And it ends up on Wikipedia. They it, sourced the game monsters from Wikipedia, clearly. Simon went to Wikipedia when they were naming their their bot their models for Rising Sun and they saw that and they're like, oh Kotahi. But if you if you look at the Wikipedia article, it says the guy's name right right there. So they just probably saw Kotahi Monkey of Rage God, alright, cool. But <laughs> cool Simon is really cool about it. Um they reached out to the guy, and he and his friend who edited the article are both getting two full pledges with all the all the stretch goals <laughs> nice. of Rising Sun. That's They're awesome. Like, like, yeah, we messed up. You know, we're gonna deal with that internally. You know, somebody's fired, but also here you go. There's, there's two full two yeah. full pledges of Rising Sun. Thanks, you. Uh, and because it wouldn't be an episode of playing and slaying without a little Kickstarter, we've talked about what we're receiving. There's some really cool stuff out there to pledge right now. A few of them are running out of time to pledge, and a few are coming soon. Um, one that I I backed is the Little Game Master. It's a kids um, illustrated storybook about a group of five friends that play tabletop RPGs. So it, in the vein of ABCs of RPGs, it follows these five kids as they play in a children's book format. So that'll be good for, for reading to the little one. And uh, the art looks really cool. And it's a guy that's just backing his, his book. Um, he's tripled his, he needed $5,000. He's at like 15,400 some backers. 
and that has about a week left but looks really cool if you have kids at home um the illustrations look fun the story looks interesting yeah so. i backed it tonight as soon as you showed it to me i'm like oh this looks good yep excellent um another one upcoming that i'm interested in is the harry potter miniature adventure game from knight models so knight does uh batman um the models look really good they teased them a while back for this harry potter miniatures game and nobody really knew was it going to be skirmish was it going to be adversarial two-player but they they put out a 40 second 45 second clip that shows game board tiles and cards and it's this adventure style cooperative game kind of like a harry potter dungeon crawler with their caliber of mini- minis nope. which are really, really good so that hits kickstarter sometime in march um i'm interested to see more of that because that seems like a really accessible entry point in the miniature games um and like it would get in more casual gamers to yeah to that, that could be huge game. for night models like if they can market that correctly and kind of set up the starter box correctly right to let get that kind of ed you know gateway yeah thing that with could, that harry potter ip yeah, yeah. So they Crazy. could they could print money with that maybe you know yeah and that just helps all their other games and stuff like Batman that they really do that's really cool. So, Troy, I'm assuming you put Zia, the new expansion on there. Yep, yep. One of our favorite games, uh, Zia, uh, and it's uh, Embers of a Forsaken Star and Zia Missions and Powers, which is it's so it's not like a full blown expansion. I think it's just like cards to give you um, some additional additional quests and things like that in in the for the game. Um, but again, Zia is a, a blast, and we don't play it enough, but I'm like any, anything they put out, and we'll, we'll grab the, fire, the great Firefly Killer. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. I haven't played Firefly the board game since I played Zaya. Um, Zia Zaya. I still yeah. have no clue how to pronounce it. <laughs> but once again, the Kickstarter does give access to the base game. Yeah. Um, and the the expansion, which is always somewhat hard to find um, mm-hmm. out there at local shops, they just don't mm-hmm. print enough of that game. So. Yeah, and that one should be going on yet. For a little bit. I think that one just opened up a week or so ago. I think it's going on for a couple more weeks at least. So, um, Unlike the next one, which I I finally, I know, I think last night I talked about this is an upcoming or ongoing Kickstarter, and I was on the fence. Am I going to go? And I finally just jumped in on Nemesis, uh, the board game, which is kind of like Aliens, the movie. It kind of, Aliens, the board game is basically what it ends up being. Um, just there's there was just too much cool stuff in there. And the, uh, and, the and models the from Awakened Realms are fantastic. I mean, they do mm-hmm. such beautiful work with their sculpture. That yeah, and and they have a pretty decent record in terms of gameplay and things like that. So I felt like this is looks like it's pretty good. So, um, and the price point's not terrible. I think it's just it was like a hundred some bucks, maybe even for the the base game for everything you should get. It's pretty good uh, to get there. So I get that. I think there's still like there's might be a pre order available yet after the Kickstarter. Um, so if, if you didn't get in on the Kickstarter, but um, but now we get for the long wait because I don't think it'll come out for yeah. early yeah, 2019 probably. I think before it gets here. But so. you can torment them endlessly on the Kickstarter message board with questions. <laughs> it'll <That's> probably <laughs> that's something that happens on Kickstarter. Yes, but it'll probably get to you faster yeah. than the actual Aliens vs Predator game got to its backers. <laughs> <laughs> that game uh, that was just. For I think it was Protos did that when it was a nightmare for yeah. them. I remember talking to them about it, and they said that they ended up with like a seventeen pound box that didn't fit in any flat rate package no. boxes. <laughs> so they were 
they got to the point where it's like, all right, time to fulfill. You know, they got the stuff from their their Polish warehouse or their Polish manufacturer, and they looked at the the stock they had, and they said, well, well, does anybody want to pick this up at Gen Con? You know, that, that's, that's what they were saying. So that's that is awesome. Um, the last thing coming any day now to Kickstarter, AEG, uh, the successor to their Mystic Veil, kind of the customizable card game. Um, Edge of Darkness, uh, which the art is all, a lot of it was done by Elena. She did the art direction on it. It's launching on Kickstarter February 20th. Um, Mystic Veil had some pretty positive reviews. In this game, you know, it's not really the second edition, but it kind of is. They take a lot of Mystic Veil and streamline it, make it um, a little smoother play, uh, and, and set it in a somewhat more. I don't want to call it gothic because it's not like dark gothic, but it is. It has that Innistrad feel from like Magic right. the Gathering and a little yeah. bit more. Um, Mystic Veil is very light fantasy, and this is a little little darker, more modern fantasy to it. Right. Um, but check that one out. Different pledge levels, and AEG is a, a pretty big company, so they, they generally have done a good job um, getting stuff to, to market and, and delivering on their Kickstarters. I know I've been seeing Elena show the hmm. the landscapes. There's oh. 50 like bases or um, kind of like these landscape uh, building designs that she did, and they all just look awesome because mm-hmm. the way that the art is, they go they're taller cards, so they're they're a little little larger than your usual card. So the scale of the art is all kind of a little bit longer. It's not quite as wide and sweeping. It's more angular and a little more room to go up but show notes will probably link to a few of these so we're going to take a break because i look around the table i see near empty glasses uh, Mm -hmm. and we're getting thirsty but after that break we're going to come back with a little bit of a segment about what we've been reading or watching before we dive into our main adepticon topic where we will let Will hold the court about what uh, anvil 8 will have at adepticon and what we are going to be doing there so Stick around. We'll be right back with some fresh drinks and more words. Welcome back. Drinks are fresh, and it is time to jump in to the Basement of Death library, where we talk about what we've been reading or watching, for those of us that are illiterate, um, (laughs) which there are... At least one at the table. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Troy, I believe you have been doing a fair amount of reading. Not what? as much as you, but... Uh, book challenge. i got to read 50 books this year. Yeah, I think mine's 30. So I have eight done. I don't think... Uh, I'm not even that close. I don't know what it's, it's going to tell me. I think I've done four, three, I don't know, two... <laughs> one sure hasn't read anything so uh, i'll start with uh recently i i was given a uh, few recommendations from the the manager at my local gw um heath he recommended uh, a, a trilogy called the emperor's blades by brian staveley um it's a fantasy world where there's this empire and the emperor has been killed and it starts following the story of the emperor's three children one is at a monastery studying to be a monk 
Um, the other is with the special forces called the Ketrel. They fly these giant hawks and like five man special force teams. There's like a demolition expert, a sniper, the leader, the flyer, and like a mage. They call them leeches. So it, and then the daughter who's a minister in the government, and it follows their stories as they're trying to like reclaim the empire and really <clears throat> kind of that dark, gritty fantasy. So um, I'd never. I don't even think I'd heard of Brian Stavley before. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yep. it's really good writing. Each book's about six, seven hundred pages. I'm going to be picking up the third one um, whenever I finish the, the book I'm currently reading. But um, The Emperor's Blades is the name of the first book. Providence of Fire is the name of the second book. I'm not sure about the name of the third. But very good, uh, kind of dark, gritty fantasy. Cool. Um, I just recently just finished this week um, with the passing of Ursula again I went back to pick up one of her classics The Left Hand of Darkness because I really hadn't read a lot besides Wizard of Earth's Sea right, which everyone has read I'm looking I, around I have a, a guilty confession a guilty confession nope. <laughs> well Josh hasn't read anything mm-hmm. um, but Ursula again I tried reading once or twice and it's so like she writes her prose in a way that's very not poetic, but yeah, it's flowery. It's flowery. Like, yeah, it's very, very like, yeah. It's good writing. I just couldn't get into it. So now with her passing and all everybody talking about her, it's back in my mind as I should, as an adult now, go back and try to read it. That I think I'll actually appreciate it now versus when I was seventeen, eighteen. I was like, uh, not really feeling this. Yeah, and it was like left hand of darkness. I was kind of figuring out, like, is that, as I'm rating it, like, is it a three or a four? What did I, because um, I enjoyed it, but it's not, I mean, you know, it's not like an action-packed book that's really a really, almost a political, um, you know, it's really her statements about, a lot about politics. And it's interesting how a lot, some of it even resonates in today's, <laughs> today's world. And I don't think that book was written many, many years ago. Um, I don't know when the exact, exactly when she did it. 1969 is when it won the, uh, won the uh, Nebula Award and Hugo in 1970. So it's, but it really didn't feel like sometimes those books will feel dated. Um, this really didn't, didn't feel dated in terms of, uh, I think it was, it was still, you know, very contemporary in terms of the writing and stuff like that. But it's not, yeah, not action packed. It's really, you know, per, first person dialogue and it kind of jumps per, around with um, which person is there. But it's really, you know, it's an alien who comes to, uh, another world and he's basically trying to be that first person he's that first contact person and it kind of goes through how he interacts with the different kind of different countries there's two or two different countries that he interacts with um and then there's some yeah you can see she's making some statements there on the different politics of those two countries and how they deal with him as an emissary and so forth like that so um interesting yeah again i don't know if i'd recommend it to anybody you know if you're not in into that but again a really good book and it was good to kind of go back and I like to go read back some of the old classics that a lot of the newer stuff is, you know, people have read that and, and uh, as it comes through. So I, I would recommend that. And I think Ty, you also are reading an old classic, which I think is going to be is uh, again in that, in that vein. Yeah. So with all of what motivated me was Alter carbon was coming back a very cyberpunk. Um, after having hung out with Will for a while, being in, involved in Ethereum and uh, some of the, the, you know, playtesting what's going on there, just that cyberpunk idea. I was like, it's been years since I read Gibson's Neuromancer. So 
I, I listened to Ready Player One, and then I went and I bought a paperback copy of Neuromancer. I uh, just went to Barnes Noble and bought a stack of books, um, and I'm slowly reading back through that because it's been a while. But just cl- classic. I mean, the the Godfather of the cyberpunk genre, um, and and just re-entering that world has been a lot of fun after years because it's probably been 15 years since I read um, Neuromancer. So enjoying that i think it would be a good one to listen to like i wonder if there's a a good copy of it out on audible with decent narration because it's such a cool the way he writes he has those very staccato scenes and very um there are times where it slows down and everything's described and then there are times where it's just very rapid so like the 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 speed of the the narrator Mm -hmm. the way it's accounted to you the story changes so quickly and abruptly that I think it would make a cool audiobook. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see it because sometimes those, depending on how old it is, sometimes in the old days they didn't. The narrators they yeah. didn't have as good a narrators. I hate to say that, but they didn't, right? So I wonder it would be interesting to see what the quality of the audiobook is. I and all there is my admission. I've never read Neuromancer. Um, kind of mine way back is I read Snow Crash, Neil Stevenson. Yeah, Stevenson's great. And again, Snow Crash. It's interesting again reading that and realizing that it that was the beginning of so much of the virtual reality and things like that again like ethereum and stuff like that right um that sets the basis for it and so i would recommend that and you know those two books i think everybody should go back and kind of look at the basics of those so so i know i know brian's talked about kind of neuromancer influencing ethereum is there anything when you're looking at it from the design aesthetic that kind of you've read that influences your your eyes will um, I kind of grew up on Ghost in the Shell, and uh, when I think of people jacking into the ether, I think of people suspending their consciousness, almost like moving their consciousness to different shells. And uh, it was actually a funny story. The the House of Karu crawler bot. When I was writing the like the fluff for that piece, I was picturing the Touch Coma spider tanks in Ghost in the Shell, these huge tank-sized things on legs that can walk and like scale walls vertically and all this crazy stuff. So I wrote the fluff for that, and there's like a line in there about how the crawler bot will choose to, instead of using its um, very intricate and expensive appendages to kill kill people, it'll sometimes just roll over them. And that nobody knows if that's House of Karu efficiency or if it's sinister coding in the crawler bot. <laughs> <laughs> and then the model showed up. I don't know if you've seen that model. That model is smaller than a human being. And uh, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess it's just very dense. <laughs> but I, I draw, I like, I like ghost, think of like Ghost on the Shell when I, I think about Ethereum. And I've, I've read, you know, Diamond Age, Snow Crash. I like, um, Neil's work, and we've all read Neuromancer because that's kind of what Brian said was the genesis for Ethereum when he started thinking of the world. And um, I think uh, I, I like some things can be a bit too cyberpunky for me, but I mean I like it when it's done well. But. Yeah, it's it's a cool genre, but it's one of those. It, it's a very hot cold. There's there's some very good stuff and there's some very bad stuff in that in that genre yeah there's also like um so when we were when i was writing a lot of the programs for resx i wasn't looking at ghost in the shell or snow crash diamond age neuromancer i was looking at um 
the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's mm-hmm. Black Dossier, you know, like Nigel Quar- or Alan Quartermain and like these other old yeah. old like explorers doing crazy stuff. And that's what I was thinking about for Resex. And, you know, when Romox came on, I was like, it's Starship Troopers. It's Highland. <laughs> it's Highland all the way. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's those damn bugs, you know. <laughs> that and is awesome. So I guess that's a cool thing about the variation in the, in the collectives is we get to bounce around the lore and i don't know what we're gonna do for the next faction the the xanum i'm not about to start doing tantric chants nine hours a day to figure out how monks <laughs> we'll we'll get, drive down to your offices and you got brian will be leading you guys in some uh we'll some have chanting. like a rock garden yeah. and, and, you know there'll be a, a waterfall the in the sand corner. art you'll yeah. have the sand art and the, yeah. you guys are doing like hot yoga in the playtest <laughs> room yeah <laughs> Awesome. Like, yeah, the deadlines, they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> there is no deadline. Yeah. Um, Troy, what else? You've, you've got a lengthy reading list here. Uh, is this so a just to read? Or a no, reading? so other one I did finish up was The, um, the Expanse. Um, Babylon's Ashes is the sixth book. Um, the seventh book, which I don't have the name on, is out, so I'm still one behind. But Babylon's Ashes, which is the sixth book, sixth book finishes the second trilogy arc um so you do get a nice finish to the story that started way back in i can't think of what book number four was um but so that's a nice bookend but now book seven's then pick up and my my understanding is this will probably this is like the last three books in to kind of finish off the expanse whether that's really going to finish off the expanse or at least this set of characters i don't know um but that's what i've kind of heard is that's what this kicks off so um, I kind of did five and six right almost back to back because the story is amazing. It's really, really good. Um, I won't go too much into it because it gets spoilers all the way around what's happened. But the world definitely changes a lot through there com- compared to where like the TV show is now and things like that. But um, just loved that book. Um, I think the only weak one was the fourth book, but they had to kind of do that to set the stage. Um, but five and six were amazing and they kind of went back to. Uh, to what's really they're, what was they're really just there. such huge books i need to i need to go in and get back and finish kelvin's war because mm-hmm. leviathan wakes to this day is in my top 10 yeah. like it's just fantastic i started kelvin's war and it slowed down a little yep. bit i would think that's again um, of the first three that's probably the weakest of, of the first three books yeah but they're they're great mm-hmm. um great reads now with audible i'm thinking mm-hmm. 20 hours for a credit it's such a great deal to to add that so if i take a break from the heresy stuff which is we talked about in a couple episodes ago i finished the second one false gods where horus is now spoiler alert now that yeah. there's been 40 books <laughs> uh, told his his followers his brothers and the sons of horus that he is going to lead a campaign to overthrow the empire take yeah. down the emperor and <laughs> make you know a new empire in his vision so he he told his guys that and i'm sitting there listening to this happen on the audible narration going no no horse you're so good why those those damn warrior lodges were outlawed for a reason yes they take him to davin and i'm like oh no no and loken is is fighting against it and you're like loken (laughs) You got this. Good old, good good old Garviel Loken. Garviel Loken. Yeah. Lopercal. Yeah. That's what's so good about that trilogy. That first is, trilogy is... The narration's just killer, too. Yeah. The guy, like, when uh, Tarek uh, Torgaden or Torgaden yeah. or whatever, his voice and, like, yeah. 
Loken when they yell the war cries. I, the narration is just that Toby Longsworth. I think he does those first guys. three. It's so good, incredible. So yeah. I've been pouring through uh, the Horus Heresy first two. I, I just downloaded Galaxy and Flames. So, and then flight was it? Flight of the flight Eisenstein. Yeah, Eisenstein. I, Eisenstein. Yeah. The fourth one where you meet the Death Guard. Yeah, right? Death Guard. Yep. So I'm pretty excited to to get through those. And Garl, you'll get Garl at that and, point. Uh, there's that beautiful, that beautiful seat on Isvan Three where the the Dreadnought picks up his buddy. And they, they like do the the aliens vent like grenade push together, you know. Yep. Oh man, brought a tear to my <laughs> brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> it's like that dreadnought picked up his battle brother. They blew each other up because of the gas bombs. Yeah, the uh, the Horus Heresy. I'm glad years after they started writing that I've now finally started reading through it. Um, just yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And it's, again, I think it just shows the strength of the writing in terms of this tragedy, right? Everybody, you know what happened, right? Everybody yeah. knows what happens. But like you said, like you're reading it and you're like waiting for it not, like, how? Oh, no, don't let it, you know. Well, even though you know like how the scene are. where the, um, the iterator, uh, can't think of his name now, it's escaping me. And the, the lady, the, um, oh, the remembrance or the remembrance that the, they're yeah. in the library and he's reading Frady the tone. Keeler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it, oh, she's yeah. Uh, and a, uh, a pink or blue whore is summoned. Um, and then they're using like the emperor's name to keep it at bay. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> she was like the first patron saint of yeah. the emperor's oh, oh, canon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever I ran my Death Watch campaign or like my Black Crusade campaign, if anybody on the Imperial side was like doing amazingly well and like playing Fate really well, I would make you Freddy Keeler show up somehow, like or <laughs> like a like a miracle of Keeler would show up. Yeah. And then the the when I ran the Black Crusade campaign, the the Chaos guys had a special word for a certain dish they would eat that looked like a woman's something, and they called it Keeler's. And there was alliteration. Alliteration was used. I was like, "Damn, guys, that's pretty. That's pretty metal. That's pretty metal." They're like, "Well, we're cast space breeds." They went there. Yeah, cool. So, so speaking of 40k stuff, so I've been whipping through some other. So I don't know if we talked about. I had finished the War Master, which is the latest Gaunt's Ghost book. Um, I don't remember if I talked about that, but it was it's, it was fun going back after so many years to that those characters and everything else like that. There's a little, I, I would say, bittersweet in it, in that this is probably one of the few Gaunt's Ghost books that's not like a complete story in itself. Most of them were, I always thought of those as like almost TV episodes. like Self-contained. They, they, yeah, yeah self-contained that. And in this one, you're reading and all of a sudden you're like, hold it. How is he going to get wrapped this all up? And he gets to a decent, he does one, there's kind of one arc gets to a, a, a climax. But, and my understanding, again, is this is kind of, again, the run-in of, probably the last three books in the Gaunt's Ghost series is what my understanding is there. But so that was a little bit, it was bittersweet because it, it didn't break from the style of what the, all the previous ones were. Yeah. Um, but it was just really enjoyable to go back with Gaunt and, and all those characters and they're all there and, and everything, you know, and all the stuff that happens, but definitely the plot is definitely moving ahead and things are getting exciting. So um, again, if you're any, any, any interest at all in Gaunt's Ghost, you have to read that to stay up. Um, the other one for you, Ty, Devastation of Ball. Um, which is kind of the, I would say it's the greatest a tragedy in the history of yeah, to the that. Empire. And it's um, <laughs> it's um, one of the more of a tie-in novel with the eighth edition. Um, it's kind of 
helping tell the, the backstory more of the, the fluff of eighth edition. So I wouldn't say it's the best book in the world, but just chock full of blood angel, like lore. Well, and it's, it's how they get split it, off from. Yeah. But they even yeah. go like, it goes back. Um, like in time, it kind of even goes back before the rift and even, um, around that time to the high fleet. Yeah. And the high fleets yeah. attacking and things like that. And it has a lot of, I haven't read a lot of the other blood angel stuff. So when you have Mephiston and him going deep into the, yeah, there's all kinds of really I'm, cool stuff. I'm sorry. Do you mean the greatest 40 K character ever? <laughs> and he's written guy. I think it's guy. Hilly writes that one. Uh, yeah, it, it, it sets him up as you're like, this guy is badass. Like he's, do they go balls deep no <laughs> wow with two wow. eggs that was, that was juvenile <laughs> so i would for ty i'd recommend that and i think anybody who's like interested in the 40k background um that book's pretty good and, and it's not the best in terms of like writing and anything from like the horace heresy stuff but i think there's some really cool gems there around cool things especially for blood angel fan and stuff like that um and then the last one is talking about the heresy. Like I'm at the end, ties at the beginning. I'm at the end. Um, there's a lot of really cool, small these short stories. And and over Christmas, they on the their advent calendar, they had a few audible ones. And those stories are just really. There's some really cool stuff. Now in the end, they don't ever really move the plot forward or anything else like that. But um, there's a couple around. Um, what's his name? I can't think of what his name is. The uh, the um, the guy who's the right hand of the emperor and um there's one it's called the board is set i think it's uh, gav thorpe wrote and it's basically the this you find out it's them setting up basically getting ready for the attack on terra and there's some really cool background to all characters nothing else really happens short story and there's another one too around i should get the right name and Ty, you can fill when I do this. <laughs> so um, the other thing that GW is doing right now and Black Library is doing, in, in, when you talk about short stories and kind of uh, with Malign Portents, they've been releasing a ton of Age of Sigmar mm-hmm. stories on the website. And one is really cool. There's this hospital scene where this woman is attending to all these victims of clearly a Nurgle attack. There's maggots and rot mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And this woman comes up to her and basically says we can take care of this this doesn't have to be the end and it's you get the feeling it's a vampire it's and they they talk about worshiping nagash and like how that you know the reclamation of souls frees these people so she goes around killing these people that are like dying from the plague and rot so they've done 12 or 13 malign portent short stories in the uh and they're all free there's a ton yeah on the website yeah. yeah So um, the ones that have been so, like the field and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. gotcha. Melkador, sorry, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. So yeah, a really cool uh, first Lord of the Imperium, uh, which is by um, L.J. Golding. Um, it's an audio drama, just a really cool background, and then the same. Melkador is the main character in the the board is set, which is a, a short story on there. Some really cool stuff, and somebody besides Melkador might be in the board is set, which is interesting. So. Synchronous? Um, no. Oh. He's my favorite. It's a great Lehman Russ variant. <laughs> the Malkador. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so 40K, a lot of that. Um, I'm also finishing up Mike Cole. Uh, I picked up Javelin Rain, which is the second book in his 
second trilogy, but the prequel trilogy, the Gemini Cell books. Um, really interesting. I learned too that Javelin is a nuclear level threat, like an asset. So in military terminology, a Javelin is like a nuclear level asset. So like a warhead or something. Um, so they refer to the, this ex-seal magically enhanced guy as a Javelin asset that they're trying to reclaim because he's gone off the reservation. He like left the program and they're trying to bring him back in. But I didn't understand the whole Javelin thing. I'm like, what? what is this? Why are they calling it that? They go on to talk through it. So Mike Cole, fantastic stuff. His new book comes out, I think, Tuesday. As you're listening to this, it's probably out. Um, the Armored Saint in the fantasy world he's created. It's only 200-some pages. It's more novella than full length, but it's the first in a, a new trilogy, um, a world in which these these inquisitors go after magic users because magic users can open gates to hell that demons can come through. So the, the, the empire, the government at that in this place goes and hunts them down and kills magic users. So they can't, um, potentially summon in these extra dimensional demons. So that comes out very soon. Pretty excited to read through that. Yep. I think that's my next book actually. (laughs) Gonna pick that up, read through it. Will, I know you've been reading, and part of it is because we traveled, and I saw you had it on the plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I went to Joe Biden. Our old vice president was in Chicago for a show, and I went to visit. I went to see the show, and uh, in everybody's seat was a copy of his book, Promise Me Dead, which is about a, a promise that his son, Bo Biden, gave him before he passed. And it was, you know, telling his dad, like, you know, keep going. Don't, you know, let my death you know change your life or whatever and it's a very good book it's very emotional uh obviously this guy talking about losing he lost a wife and a child years ago then he got going again with a new family and then he lost a son to a, a brain tumor and uh he talks about like the stuff the family did talks about stuff he did with the president at the time talks about deals he was working because kiev was kind of just getting back on its feet at the time after the whole Euromaiden, um, uh, I guess you call it a revolution at this point. And uh, it's an interesting book, but uh, got through it pretty quickly. Um, like the first half of it on the, on the flight to Vegas, and then I finished it off in one or two days. And you could tell, you know, he was just, it's like an old man telling you a story, you know. It's not, it's not very dense, it's just, it, it flows pretty well. And it's got a nice chronology, you know, you can just follow it. Because he starts with, you know, finding out his son was sick and then going through, like, their last year and then all that stuff. But other than that, it's been much lighter fare. Um, on my on my update list on my phone, it's... Um, I've been reading Conan and Wonder Woman. <laughs> all right. By, uh, excellent. By Gail Simone. She's mm-hmm. an excellent yep. graphic novel writer for DC. Well, not just DC, but she does some good work with DC. Um, that's been, uh, that's been, it's been funny to read. Been reading, uh, the Vader Down comics also. Darth, basically what happens, you know, that scene at the end of, uh, um, the, the, when, uh, when Luke is in the trench and, uh, and Han comes back up and he he shoots Vader and Vader spins off. What happens when Vader, after Vader spins off is basically Vader lands on a planet 
and the rebels send down like a battalion to arrest him and it doesn't go well for that battalion you know like <laughs> he's, he's like pulling speeders out of the sky like force pulling them like throwing them at, you know it's 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 great to read because you're like yes because <laughs> you don't get to see vader like go full sith lord on people yeah. in any of the movies so rogue uh, one the end of rogue one right is yeah. where we got our first look you get a taste of it yep. in a rogue yeah. one but man if you read vader down you're like Oh my god, it's so yeah. good! Like, <laughs> you know, he's that's sur- what he can do. Let's spoil the whole thing, but like, he gets surrounded by a special forces squad of like uh, commandos, not even special forces, just just um, re- rebel troops. And uh, he just like lifts up his hand, and like they don't really notice. He's after lifting all of their grenades off their belts, like the the <laughs> the thirty guys that are trying to arrest him, and he's like makes a fist and pulls all the pins at the same time and all the guys just get blasted to smithereens and he just keeps on walking he's like idiots you know like, <laughs> but it's, it's it's a lot of fun to read and some good humor because it introduces it, it doesn't introduce but it, it follows some um evil droids think like c3po but instead of loving translating and serving people he loves torturing people mm-hmm. so you're like oh this is great get to, like know what an evil droid sounds like and uh <laughs> been following that along and uh i just finished the first book in the iron druid series so the the first book is um is hounded and it's based it's about a an ancient druid who has um named atticus o'sullivan um or shodakon o'sullivan in like gaelic and it's got this like gaelic name in there and he's got his companion wolfhound that he can talk to obviously because he's a he's a a few thousand year old druid and he runs a bookshop in tempe arizona that's like occult books is the specialty <laughs> so it's like and modern fantasy yeah, yeah 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 so okay basically cool. he he got an ancient an ancient gaelic gods a celtic god's sword and uh he kind of had a, a bullseye put on his back from a lot of the celtic deities after that and he took off you know and the furthest he could get from that world was tempe arizona <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because it's him like running a bookstore and it talks about like him playing like rodrigo y gabriela like you know mexican guitar music in the in the store like just being very calm and he gets like most of his customers are like typical like goth teenagers of like could you teach me how to make like a love potion? And he's like, yeah, sure. Here you're going to give him like, just, you know, like the drug you're like giving a stupid kid, some herbs crushing a Ziploc bag type stuff, you know? <laughs> but, uh, there, there are some witches in the area and there's a few other, um, uh, deities not to give anything away, but the first book is called hounded because he gets found out. Like people find out where he is and it's about him setting up like almost like a, um, a ritual to defeat his um his his opponents and the woman hunting him is actually like an ancient huntress like a celtic huntress and uh it's a good book and i started the second one which is hexed because the the witches there in tempe act up and he has to fight them and uh-huh. i'm like halfway through that and it's it's pretty it's an easy read and uh I think the next book is called Hammered because he fights Thor. So like it's <laughs> they bring in these other deities, yeah, and mytho- mythical yeah. kind of. It's fun. It's the uh, the Iron Druid series with the Iron Druid Chronicles, and um, uh, I've been enjoying it. It's uh, like I said, it's a very easy read. It's not that, not not that dense, and he he does a decent job of t- 
telling you who the deity is. He's not just like, oh, look, it's so-and-so. And you're just like, wait, who is that? Because obviously he bounces around a few mythologies. So I've been liking it. And he's got like an old crotchety neighbor that hates him that he's like, <laughs> like looking at him all the time. He's like trying to like hide his stuff from that, especially the fact that he has a, a, a wolfhound that can talk to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I've been keeping up on when I get time to read. But oh, and on Audible, I've been um, the Conan the Barbarian. I get like uh, like Robert E. Howard, like yeah, the classic. Okay. I've been listening to that on on Audible. I just had a credit, and I was like, I don't know what I want to listen to. And it was, like, mostly stuff to listen to while, like, I was painting. And I was like, sure. Like, it, it popped up yeah. on my, like, suggestions. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll snap that off. I'm sitting on, like, six credits right now, and I just don't know what I want to do with them. Because it's almost usually audible is when I'm sitting down painting models. So been enjoying that. Pretty some pretty hardcore stuff in the old Conan books. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, nice. definitely. Yeah. Someday I need to go get those. That in in Dune. I need to go through Dune and actually listen or read it. I only first two. I only made it through the first two. From Dune, Dune, and the Children of Dune, or Dune or something. Or something. Or was, yeah, I've only done the first one, and that was that was for a class, like my second year in college. I had to read Dune as like one of six or seven books, and I was like, I wouldn't read this in a year. Like, this, this is wrong. It's like it's like so dense. I was like, oh. like reading on the train to and from school and stuff. Oh yeah, it was rough, but it was enjoyable. Now, Josh, mm-hmm. we've been talking a lot about books. Yeah, what have you been up to to stimulate your uh... the non-reader of the group? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, you guys have talked about Altered Carbon a lot, and it's on Netflix. So um, I crushed all of them <laughs> in, like, probably four days, I think. I, th- I think there's ten episodes, and they're all about an hour. Yeah, an hour. Yeah, good yeah. hour. yeah. Some, some a little over, some a little under. But, yeah, in probably four days, I crushed those. Super good. Super good. What um What did you think about the whole idea of the Envoys? Like what Takeshi Kovacs is, because books two and three really go in the more of his envoy yeah. life. What do you like? So, just are you interested in learning more about like yeah. Takeshi's like background? Because like totally, yeah, they and they, the, the envoys that they hint at that he was an envoy, but they don't. They show a bit where he's with his unit, like right. how to survive torture or other stuff. But I'm right. interested in the the non book fan, like. What do you want to see next? Because my guess is they're going to follow the arc of the books, but I'm interested in the the non book, the non reader. Yeah, like what do you want to see next from Takeshi Kovacs? I so I, I'm I'm what so what is the next book actually? What do they cover? They're not going to tell you. All right, well, fair. Um, I I have no idea. Like. You're you're basically telling me to write this story, and I have no you're idea. Like, what, 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 like, you're like, what do you want to see? He says, "What are my options?" You're like, you don't get ready to tell you. Like, <laughs> write this story, man. <laughs> right in front of us. Well, I don't know, like just some cool stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, some cool stuff. More yeah. sleeves, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I I thought the whole. I mean, it was sort of like a futuristic murder mystery type. Yeah, the yeah. whole and and then with the whole yeah the whole envoy. 
backstory behind him. And then the sleeve that he was in also had a backstory. So there's like all these different layers. I, I don't know. Super good. Uh, what? I was really into it. I'm at, I'm at the point where he's just been reconnected with someone from his past. And there's a fight scene where he's in this like gladi- gladiator ring that the fight choreography is the best I've seen on a Netflix show. Ever. Even better than Daredevil. Yeah, I'm saying so, Daredevil. So Dare, Daredevil, the, the was it episode two where yeah. there's the fight, the long yeah, shot the in long the hallway? Shot, yeah. It rivaled that. I mean, just wow. absolutely intense hand-to-hand combat for five to five minutes, six minutes yeah. of nonstop brawling, and it was it was really good. Plus, there's a lot of not safe for work. Uh, scenes in Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, it's they're pushing the. the it envelope is pretty funny. You know, you know what's funny is I watched like the first couple. I think the first episode and part of the second, and I didn't even. And then I was talking to Neil from work. I got to give Neil, Neil a from shout work. Out. Neil and from he, work. And he's Neil like, he's like, what about all the nudity? And I'm like, what? And then it. Then finally, once he mentioned it, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess there's somebody nude in like every single scene. Like, <laughs> How do you know? It just like it didn't even. Fa- I don't know. Yeah. It didn't even. Fa- it didn't phase me. I guess because I wasn't even thinking about it. But but isn't like the most attractive woman in it not in a sleeve? It's like, well, I haven't gotten mm-hmm. that far yet. But I think she probably couldn't afford to get new sleeves. The the investigator, the police officer, the detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, well, her, they explained it in, I can't remember if it was in the books, but there was a religious order that mm-hmm. didn't believe in yep. re-sleeving. Like right. neo-Catholics fa- or something. Yeah. Right, her family yep. was a part of that. She didn't hold to their tenants, but like held to that, that she wouldn't be re- re-sleeved, basically. So, and it's cool they've built the world out like that, where there's that whole concept of, Life doesn't end at death. What does that do to the the religious experience of the mm-hmm, people yeah. in that world and the the idea that death isn't the end point? So, Ultra Carbon's fantastic. Highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. What would be inter- I don't know. What would be interesting is if um, who's the author? Richard Richard K. Morgan. Richard K. Morgan. Do you think we'd see a book four? Oh, I hope now so. that you want you think that maybe now that there's more. Yeah, somebody's picked the, it up. Wouldn't he go? I'd love him to go back to the, the next book yeah. series that I want to see get picked up by Netflix or Amazon. You introduced me to the world where the people go, they log in to the fantasy world to experience it as like a movie. Um, is it Kane? Oh, Kane, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my god, I can't think of the name of it now, but you log in and you participate in these like live action experiences like westworld almost like westworld I, but it's I was like thinking this fantasy too. it's like this fantasy <laughs> assassin magic using world you get to jump into a world and die when you're 28 of malnutrition <laughs> is that what it is uh, <laughs> you can you have died of dysentery the guy the guy is an actor in yeah. essence who is this like world famous assassin that, that does these things but then you start realizing that the game is more than a game like it's real people are dying in the real world basically like and i think it would make a great series to get a ethereum does that whatever (laughs) (laughs) so when are we going to get some ethereum novels well short story my pen hand's pretty rusty but i mean i wrote in fluff for like three unit entries (laughs) i personally think they're the best they, you know, they definitely are. Of course they are. They, they definitely are. And, uh, I mean, 
there's just like we all wear so many hats you know i don't i don't think that figuring out a, a novel arc is one of the hats we could wear at this point i think brian could can we volunteer brian for that hat uh yeah you know if you want to have our director of operations and shipping take over penning a, a novel arc i'm sure yeah you could. great get get on that brian appreciate it <laughs> yeah hey, hey uh, uh, uh brian one stroke nairo if you're listening um <laughs> could you please um start the outline of a, a novel series <laughs> yeah. and uh just make sure I get the part where a certain character dies, and you know which one it is. <laughs> and also the part where another character ascends to avatarhood. Thanks. So I so I looked it up. Heroes die. Matthew Stover, Matthew Woodring Stover. I think he, he also did some Star Wars novels, but Heroes Die is that that novel series. <clears throat> so good. Yeah, the Acts of Cain, number one. Oh, yeah, it's it's. It's also dark, like that. Oh yeah, that, the, oh, yeah. the series are pretty dark. Yeah, I'm getting that. Excellent. So we've we've given you guys some ideas to to go read, go watch. Um, strongly encourage that between your gaming and hobbying, and of course purchasing tons of games to grow the hobby. But it is time for us to talk about Adepticon. Boom, boom, boom. That's not like a yawn through a drum roll, like announcement. That's no, weird. No. Okay. No. You should be more excited, Josh. I'm excited. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, there we go. That should be just a thing. Like when somebody is hyping something you don't care about, you're like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> the tired hype. The tired yeah. hype. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you, did you see all when you said it? Like, no, dude, I totally did. Um, so, Adepticon. Is, is that Coke clear? That is that's, that's how yeah. you know it's not even coke. It's he just poured into this glass and it's clear. Zevia, where's the yeah. caramel coloring? It, no, that's additives. the stuff that kills you. It's no the additives. caramel colored. Yeah, no additives, no artificial color or flavors. Z- All real. Zevia, All real. We'll, we'll sponsor us. All right. So here's how I think we should talk about Adepticon. Vendor hall is going to be huge. Tournament floors are going to be huge. There's a lot going on. We'll kind of talk about what we're each doing individually, and then I'd like to hear about Anvilate and their presence there. We we know it's the home ice. We know that yeah. you guys have a lot going on. You should have brought Brian up for that. I mean, <laughs> well, we had we had Brian in, in one of our early episodes at Defcon yeah. this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, great critical response to that episode, Brian. We really appreciated that time you spent with us. But this year we've you know we've upgraded. We have. Yeah. We have Will Conway in house, so yeah, but for the ready. whole You've just episode, a complete, just like a class change. You just <laughs> <laughs> so, Adepticon this year. Um, I know we're all playing in events, and we're all you guys are running events. Um, myself, I'm all Sigmar all the time. So, studio preview Wednesday night. Yep. Um, Thursday, I have nothing planned. So I'm hoping to get in some pickup games with guys from out of town, other stuff. I think Gabe and I might try to play uh, some Sigmar. Um, and then Danner is flying in Wednesday, so I'm just excited to hang out with him for the weekend. He's playing in the Grand Clash Shadespire Thursday night, so I'll probably float around there drinking, buying drinks, and spectating. Then Friday, Tom and I are rolling in the team tournament. We're going to try to win more games than we did last year. Um Saturday, Sunday, GT with my third army in 80 days. 
<laughs> so it's all Sigmar all the time. I might maybe help out at the hopefully Anvil 8 booth on Thursday for a, a shift, you know, get my street cred. Yeah, I mean, we're open to volunteers. We got the, <clears throat> excuse me, got the, obviously the hacktivist program going. People can get booth cred for helping out, which is always a nice way to pick up stuff. But I just, I want to have a table of frontline and then another table of frontline. Yeah, it's going to be head you, head with Zach. you and Zach. All right, you're our, you're our, like one and two guys. I'm going to tell you which one's one and which one's two. <laughs> or like our one and two frontline demo guys. <laughs> but I will say, Gen Con last year, Zach ran a 10-man frontline demo. Yeah, so it's my record, I know. Yeah, so you got to get you got to get a crowd. <laughs> Ties goes to 11, so you know Will, Will tells both you guys you're number two. Just so you know. Yeah, he yeah. motivates us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the key is that only number one gets a bathroom break so <laughs> we'll both be slinging frontline all day thursday um but yeah so adepticon i'm really excited uh i'm also i, I have a buy list um we're going to talk about it in the play it or slay it review saga uh second edition should be available and i i think i'm gonna dive into another miniature game no spoilers here though about why we'll leave that for later um Tomahawk Game Studios produces yeah, the rules. Yeah, Tomahawk writes the rules. And then there's a handful of companies that do the models. Here's Footsore, Gripping Beast, and uh, those are the those are the big two I know around. Like guys I play against will say it's either Footsore or Gripping Beast, but then there's a few others that also do the models. And it's it's uh, the scale is just right on them too. I think I prefer Footsore myself. The scale is just right for me, and I think they stand a little bit taller than other people, so if you feel better. <laughs> but uh, and they, they look nice, and you know, we know the sculptor. We met him at LVO. Nice yeah. guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, it seems like cool community. Um, there's there's a, a good presence at Adepticon too. They have one of those playrooms going with um, Saga throughout the the day. It's- Got a bunch um, of shields and spears hanging on the walls, and a bunch yeah. of guys with really long beards. Because the saga, you know, the rules altercations in 40k, you, you four up it. You know, saga. It's the guy with the bigger beard chooses. Yeah, so. best beard wins. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then the other key thing at Adepticon that I'm very excited for is some of the local bars and restaurants. Um, last year, Tom and Paul and I went over to uh, the Steakhouse Morden's. I think. That's a short drive away. Had an amazing dinner, just a few cocktails, and it was late, but we sat there for like two hours just eating steak, enjoying, and definitely want to get back there this year um, for a nice a nice annual dinner, and then hang out at the Renaissance Bar with the Anvil 8 guys and everyone else until whatever time of night. <laughs> too, late. Um, too, late. too late. Too late. <laughs> too late. Too late to win Sunday games. We yeah. Should, we we yeah. should know better by now, but... That's why we go, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's my Adepticon in a nutshell. That was the, you know, the two-minute rundown. Josh, your Adepticon. Yeah, I'm playing in the team tournament tournament as well with Paul. Team Double Bubble. The Team Double Bubble. Double Double Trouble. Double Trouble. Double Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Um, what were the guys' names in Double Dragon? Billy and... Oh, uh, man. The red Jake. guy and the blue guy. Red guy. Billy and Jake, Jake, right? Was it Jake, Jake and or Billy? Jake or Jake. All right, so Double Dragon. Double Dragon. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm running um, Zombicide on Saturday. 
So how many how many sessions? Two sessions. Six players each. Yes. Black Plague. Three D. Three D. Three D tiles. Um, painted miniatures. The 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 full nine, and I think the Bodfather's going to be helping me out a little bit with that as well. Yeah, so. we'll be there. Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy. Billy, Jimmy. Jimmy. Billy and Jimmy. Billy, Billy and Jimmy. Jimmy. All right. So one of you can be Billy, the other can be Jimmy. I'll be Jimmy. All right. Paul, you're Billy. We'll get you shirts. <laughs> Wait, which one? What, what color is what? Uh, Billy was blue. Jimmy was red. Yeah, all right. I'll Nailed it. Played a lot of you Double Dragon 50, and Double Dragon 2. A lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so, then, yeah, that's me. Are you there all weekend or a couple days? Uh, I'm probably... Oh, nice. Nice picture. <laughs> we'll put the picture up on, on the website. Um, yeah, no, so I'm there probably Thursday night. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, Friday for the team tournament, and then Saturday. And I'm probably going home Saturday evening. I think Thursday is going to be the the huge meetup. Huge. Mm. Huge. All right. All right. Troy? Troy Weiss, the Bodfather. Uh, Thursday, Gentlemen's 40K Tournament. That was a blast last year. This year, I think it's going to be bigger and better. Um, Friday is Space Hulk Day, all day, every day. We're running 12 hours, um, three three sessions. 12 hours in the dark corridors of a Space Hulk floating through space. So, <laughs> Friday, Friday night, I'll pass out. Um, After a few beers. Yeah, it, it will take one, and then I'll in be done. In the space of the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> in the dark corridors of the Renaissance Schomburg. <laughs> uh, Saturday, do, helping Josh out with Zombicide. Probably run Space Hulk on the smaller, on the print, printed printed scenery will uh, it, terrain on Saturday. Will either of you guys bring me a fresh beer if needed yeah, Saturday? Yeah, we can, yeah, we can okay. basically support the GT. We're on the concrete floors. They moved us into the yeah. big hall. It's going to be rough. Oh, yeah, you're no. in the big time. My feet are going to hurt. Bring some. Bring a mat. Yeah, bring a mat or Croc sandals. That's what I I'll wear. Just, I'll just walk over to Anvil and be like, hey, can I borrow this corner? <laughs> just pick up one of our nice yoga, like yoga mat. Yeah. Kids yeah. playhouse corners. And- I'll be like, hey, Brian, can I use this? People do that. They stop by the booth and just stand there, and you can oh. see it in their face. Like, I've done oh. that. You're just like, <laughs> hey, bud. So good. <laughs> you don't even pitch them. You're like, hey, bud. I was like, going to like, oh, good. I'm just, <laughs> just staying here. Like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So Saturday. Um, yeah, Sunday, you got Duncan. Uh, Saturday night, I have Duncan. I think Mandy actually has Duncan, too, uh, if she's doing a class. Um, I'm also doing an Anvil 8 uh, event. I think Saturday yeah. afternoon. Ramax narrative. Um, so that'll be fun. And then Sunday, I think I'm doing an airbrush class most of the day. Like from is that with uh, CK? I think so, yeah, it's Caleb. I think from, from CK. So, so, so I think it's like painting vehicles or something like yeah. that. It felt like it was easy enough, and the time slot works. Having so. listened to the ICs talk about that <laughs> I know, and some like, of the <laughs> other stuff, um, I, I don't airbrush, and I don't know that I ever will, just because I. I don't think I can get the setup to work, but that class sounds like it is the truth, like just yeah. the the imperial truth of <laughs> um, classes for airbrushing. Yeah, so so being able to get into that, I, I, that was an opportunity. So I'm, I'm like, all right, I'll learn something. I'm sure I'll learn a lot, actually, in that class for, for just a little bit, too. Yeah, and again, excited to do do uh, Duncan's class again on Saturday. So that's like Saturday evening or something like that, so. Yeah, full, and then whatever, sometime in there, I have to find some time to shop, too, and find time to eat and drink. We'll find out. There, I mean, it's, yeah, it happens. Yeah. I mean, if drink. you got to lose something, just lose the eating, right? Right. You know, just drink, yeah. shop, pl- 
play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm good with that. Um, all right. So, Will, last time we had Brian on the show, and we yeah. we asked him some hard-hitting questions and let him pontificate for a while. We're going to keep it pretty straightforward for you. Anvilate, Adepticon, what can we expect at the booth? At the booth, you get your first look at Ramox. Ramox are our uh, sentient... Um, I think I'm like a sentient malware faction, obviously. Um, it's it's a cyber world. Something something has to represent the bad things in a in a in a cyberspace, and that's what our Ramox is. Um, when House of Cars cemented themselves as the number one corporation, um, they were attacking a lot of other corporations, and they spun a lot of malicious hard or software. And the Ramox is uh, is what happens when you code a particularly mean piece of software and you spin it out there. And it misses its mark, and it gestates for a few uh, generations, and then comes back. And, so it's uh, come out of the noise. It's come out of the noise, and you know the Acario. We don't know why, but they they particularly wanted to target enemies' nodes, and you know Ethereum players know nodes are pretty important, and uh, so the Ramos got spun out there. They missed the node, and they spun way out into the blue, and uh, those nodes they they actually grow organically in that quantum noise and the Ramox found them out there and ate them and grew stronger. Now they're coming back to eat everybody's nodes because they're like, oh, there are nodes here. And it's, it's kind of a problem. So the narrative event will be for people that want to like get the story. That'll be where you sit down and you get like a you get to play like one game. It's over the course of two hours. We're going to have uh, Chris One Take Tavanati. He's our, our interview and uh, demo like master. He like never misses a word or keeps the pace going pretty well. He'll be running that event. See, I was, I was just going to say, so outside of the booth, what events can we expect? Ramex Narrative, you're a step ahead of me. Ramex Narrative events going from noon to 10 every day. Uh, not Sunday, obviously, but uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, it's two-hour slots. And I think uh, Saturday's filling up pretty quickly. But uh, I think Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, you still have a lot of open seats. Now, can people bring their own collectives to the event uh, to play against Ramex? Or? You can bring whatever you want to play. We will have um, painted collectives for each seat. So you can choose to use that and play with our models, or you can bring your own. But we will have painted Ramex models ready to go with their rules ready to go. So if you're showing up and you're on the fence about whether you want to jump into Ramex, just go play in the event. You get to sit down with a full Ramox army, or a collective as we call them, and play a full game of Ethereum. And uh, at the booth, will you then have the, the core, the auxiliary, and the expansion, yep, we'll all have three the, boxes of Ramox? We'll have all our Ramox there to purchase. We'll have all their cards. And uh, the book, uh, we might not have. That's still up in the air. It's uh, That's one of those Chinese New Year things. You just can't really... <laughs> so... Depends on depends on how well things are going there, but um, we'll have we'll have that going, and uh, we're looking forward to it because you know the pressure's off at this point. We do really well at Adepticon. Our fans show up in in, in numbers, um, the greatest numbers at Adepticon. So we're the there's no anxiety for us there. Like obviously when we we travel to go to like Gen Con or PAX or other shows, it's like oh well let's hope we do well, but Adepticon's like, all right, we're going to crush it because 
that's where like our foundation is, and that's where most people come from all over the country to play minis games. Mm-hmm. And these luckily, are, these are our people. You know, yeah, that's that's why I call it home ice. And uh, I think we have a pretty pretty tight rule set and an easy to learn minis game. So when you're at a con of a few thousand minis gamers, people are going to pick it up. So there will be stacks of core boxes, all sorts of the other factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth faction available. Other game, Frontline No Comrades. I'm sure you guys will have piles of that for purchase. We'll have plenty of Frontline going. Um, we'll have our uh, one of our, our top top two or top three Frontline demoers running demos. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, mean, Def- I mean, definitely top five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know... Pick a number at this point, <laughs> um, but it's uh, Frontline's doing really well actually. Uh, we're almost at our like our second printing of that, and uh, I think you'll start seeing that actually in in Barnes and Noble at the end of this summer. Awesome! So, wow! Yeah. Awesome! But I mean, that's that's what it was designed for to be like the impulse buy. You know, minis gamers need like two plus hours to play a game. Doesn't matter what the minis game is. The minis game could take a half hour to play, but minis gamers somehow still need two hours to play it to like, <laughs> like show up, talk, unpack your yeah. stuff, like get a drink, all that stuff. And then Frontline was the game to play in between games, and uh, that's the beauty of it. You show up to place like Adepticon. There's War Machine players, Malifaux players, Ethereum players, Saga players, Infinity players, whatever. They could all understand the fact that a nice quick card game to play in between games is a pretty good idea so right right all right so frontline ethereum romix what's on the horizon what's past adepticon anything new you can tell us about or past adepticon you're looking towards um right around the time of origins we'll have finished our first frontline no comrades expansion and uh right now the the name uh for its work in progress is molly goes home and basically, Molly finds out that Vlad, the guy sending her her letters, or she's sending letters <laughs> to, has been has been messing around on her back back in the uh, back in the year old. So she's gonna go beat his ass, take care of business back home. Yeah. So it's a it's a cooperative turn on Frontline No Comrades. So we've added a little AI. You have other comrades in the line. And there's a little AI movement to those comrades that you and your friends are not playing. And you have to do certain things each round. You have to... You're playing a normal game of Frontline. Like, you're still getting shot at because you're still on the front. But you have to do stuff like make sure a certain person is standing in a certain spot. Or the lowest health person is doing something and the highest health person is doing something. As you're working together as a squad against these AI comrades on the line to accomplish objectives. And there's... About half a dozen objectives you play in order to do the story of like escaping the line, getting on the troops train as it's heading back to where you're from, evading the party officers and the commissar, and then eventually fighting a commissar, and then you know killing Vlad. You know, for, <laughs> 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 Poor Vlad. But there'll be about at least a half dozen other scenarios in it, and uh, for people to just play for fun, so you and your friends can get together, you can play through the story, have a good time. And then when you're done, there's almost, uh, you know, a full other stack of scenarios you can play through. You can pick them all up and just shuffle them. They don't have to be in order. 
only like that that story has to be in order to mm-hmm. like understand yeah. the the experience of Molly going home and beating Vlad for being a <laughs> being, <laughs> a, around being, being a terrible husband. Whole new meaning to that dear Vlad event card. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh, the uh, I hope it does well. It's it's so I mean we we wanted to have um to follow true with the 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 theory of how why expansions do well and if people like the game they'll pick up an expansion if it's a fraction of the cost of the game to increase the value of the game well frontline's not that expensive so we're like well all right we still want the expansion to be cheaper so it's going to be like a little smaller box and it's going to be even cheaper than frontline no comrades or inexpensive and uh we're hoping to add a lot more replay value to Frontline No Comrades for people because it's kind of like a... For people that play it a lot, it's like they play it almost every week because like they're waiting for people to show up for D&D or whatever they're doing and they, they'll play a few rounds of it. And we wanted to throw this in there for them to say, all right, guys, thanks for supporting us. Here's an inexpensive way to make the game even better and uh, introduce a few more uh, incoming cards and new comrades and new events. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. And when when is that coming out? We're hoping by about Origins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and the good thing about Frontline is when you're just dealing with um, like cards is your own comp- your only component. Yeah. Even if we wanted to get that by Origins and like it was coming down to the wire, we could. There's a number of printers nearby that we could say, "Hey, give us a few hundred copies to take to the show, and they'll get it done." It's not like those big bulky minis or board games you gotta you gotta wait for the slow boat from china to get to you so mm-hmm. frontline is definitely a nice flexible game to get out there and uh it's a flexible game for people to play which is what we like about it and what what our our fans that that uh that get a zach demo like about it too <laughs> <laughs> i heard that i heard that <laughs> well we're gonna edit out everything will said and uh just proceed <laughs> um no, but uh, thanks. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you guys at Adopticon. Um, I know you've got a few other shows coming up. You're going to be at Gamma, uh, the trade show in Reno. Yeah, so it was, we Gamma next, then Adepticon, and then we uh, hit, I think, one or two smaller shows before Origins, and then after Origins, it's obviously Gen Con, and Gen Con is going to be where we'll, be, we'll have the RPG for Ethereum, like... Um, play test ready and uh we've had a bunch of people saying that they want to get in on that so any of our any of our um our fans that have been talking about because i mean we we sort of thrown on the idea um before last gen con even last gen con we had it in the first exposure hall mm-hmm. and we heard we had some of our our hacktivists which is what we call like our volunteers or even our our like uh our, our uh, like avatar level fans Talking about like wanting to get their hands on early copies of it, but Gen Con this year they'll be able to actually uh, take home a packet and mess around with it with their friends and give us feedback on it. So looking forward to that. I mean, growing the Ethereum world sideways is is a uh, it's not easy, but it's uh, it's something that we feel confident doing because we've been in Ethereum for so long that like you know if we want to come up with an RPG, we'd be idiots to come up with a new world when ethereum has so much to offer right Mm -hmm. and we're also so invested in it right now so we're gonna have that at gen con ready to go for people and uh you know it's gonna be gonna be an experience for us and the people playing it to to see what what they think about because 
there's a certain like when you're so new there's a certain like imposter syndrome like i mean can we even make an rpg i was like well we said that about ethereum and like we made it and people liked it and then we said that about frontline and people liked it so maybe we should just go ahead and make an rpg and see what people think about it so well the ethereum world is so expansive like there's so much to it it, it, yeah. it lends itself to an rpg really well i think that it, i'm really excited for it so you ran a play test i ran a play test with a few other of our ambulate designers uh chris matt and brian last week and we got to a rough point and the party was gonna die and like i've dm'd a lot of different systems and usually when that happens like if it's if it's not a pivotal or like a crux of the story i'll i'll botch some rolls and pull it back and be like oh you guys just made it through but i killed them all you know (laughs) (laughs) i killed them all because i was like all right well you guys died but you know it's ethereum so you're not you didn't die in such a manner that your body was not shocked into actually dying in the meat space so we actually like had a great conversation about that well okay so what happens when a party wipes in the ethereum rpg and uh you know we got some uh some great guys helping us on the game actually not just helping us you know paul paul dk of a uh, friend of the podcast does a lot of the a lot of the work for us on the ethereum rpg and uh he came up with a nice system for that which uh um <clears throat> Which is what we got to pull out on that that one playtest session. We're like, all right, well, this is what happens, and uh, it was it was interesting because we'd never had that before. Where what happens when your party wipes in an RPG? Because that's happened a yeah. few times to me over the years. But it's like, yeah. all right, well, then you just you, you get up and you leave the person's house and you're, <laughs> yeah. you're sad for like a month, you know? <laughs> Create new characters, try to pick yeah. up the pieces of our broken broken and, thing, yeah. yeah. With with our playtest session, I was like, "All right, guys, check these few boxes in your character sheet, and let's see everybody jack back into their consoles and go at it again." Yeah. And it felt very much like uh, Edge of Tomorrow, you know? Yeah, <laughs> rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Yeah, yeah. with uh, you know, um, Tom Cruise. No, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I don't. I don't care about Tom Cruise. <laughs> <All right. clears throat> yeah, once back in into the breach. I mean, it's it's that mm-hmm. concept of. We talked about with altered carbon. I mean, yeah. when you have when death is not final, and in yeah. Ethereum, your projection, uh, you know, a, a virtual reality. That's it's a concept that's really fun and, and interesting to play with. Um, and I, I'm excited to dive into the RPG because of that whole concept of these miniatures, these factions that I'm familiar with, blowing that out, expanding it, diving deeper into the the day to day life of you know a Resex explorer of an Akaru samurai just you know the the concepts that you can play with are familiar but the the opportunities and the the expanse of that narrative is is so broad and so wide and yet yeah. yet discovered too which yeah. is really cool so like the the play test session we run at the end of it <clears throat> we tell the party all right axiom are like the bad guys people know that we're like, all right, guys, you are now undercover as an axiom, and like their faces light up. Office worker, and they're like, what? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> so and you're like, yeah, axiom has offices. Why wouldn't they? They're, they're a huge government. And like all of your actions, like, oh dang, it's like, like yeah. Here's your uniform. Okay. I'm playtesting data entry. I wanted to be a Praetorian. Like, no, here's your shirt and your tie and get in that building. 
So, yeah. My login's not working. <clears throat> oh, man. A very exciting time for Anvil Games. Games. Um, yeah. we're, we're looking forward to seeing where you guys go. Um, we will be definitely in force uh, at Adepticon, stopping by, promoting you guys however we can. So, awesome. Anything else you want to add about Adepticon, or have we hit check the boxes, so to speak? Uh, Adepticon's looking... Uh, obviously, if you're in the uh, the Geek Nation VIP tour, you'll get to see more stuff from us. Um, I think we're scheduled for one night of that, of Adepticon with those those fellas. Um, Tyrus and Alex, good guys. And uh, at Gen Con again, um, over the summer, we'll... We'll have a, a more in-depth look at the RPG for people on the Geek Nation VIP tour. So cool. Um, yeah, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff those guys get to see, and uh, um, that's that's about it for us at, at, at Adepticon this year. But it's gonna be gonna be a huge year for us. Uh, it's gonna be our first year having a having an office building with like <laughs> almost like you know like warehouse storage and stuff, and I don't know. Things are falling into place for Anvil Games, which you know I'm happy for Brian about. Obviously, he has been a lot of work, that's why he's not here. We're moving into the offices today. He's breaking his back in the snow, and I'm sitting in this basement drinking, <laughs> <laughs> drinking like microbrews and Red Bull. Somebody's got to do the hard stuff. Uh, right, well, you know, yeah. I mean, I put in the hours. Yeah. Not as many hours as him, but yeah. like mine are more productive, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we miss Brian. We're uh, very excited to see the rest of the crew at Adepticon, um, and uh, see if maybe Zach and I can go head to head for an hour. <laughs> I want you and Zach running demos, and I want Doctor Gabe standing behind the two of you judging you both with a, a white coat and a clipboard. That's I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> It'll be great. But isn't it just pure sales? Like, isn't it how many who sells the most? It's not all about sales. There's, there's a. It also depends greatly on who I like more at that moment in time, and uh, who bought him the last beer. So there's soft scores you're trying to say. Yeah, right. who, <laughs> I wouldn't say who I like more. Who I dislike the least at that moment in time. You know, it gets awesome. Well, all right, we are going to take a real quick break. Come back with a play it or slay it uh, saga the historical mentors game and then do our wrap up with upcoming BOD news and events. So we'll be right back. Welcome back for the play it or slay it review of saga. Saga is a historical miniatures game, 28 millimeter. I believe uh, the rule set produced by Tomahawk press or game studio something yeah, yeah. miniatures are uh not exclusive to a single company will kind of highlighted a couple of the big players um mm-hmm. i really like foot sore miniatures uh from what i've seen online um but saga is set in pre uh dark ages yeah say. dark yeah. dark age a uh, number of source books number of factions mm-hmm. um yeah. So it's an interesting miniatures game. There's not a lot of games like it, from what I know. Uh, but Will, how about for this player to slay it, since this is kind of a whole miniature game um, set that you're familiar with, you tell us what are some reasons we should play Saga and uh, what are some of the highlights? Because 
I don't think Josh or Troy are very familiar beyond no. what mm-hmm. it is. So a little bit about how it works, what the choices are, and, and why we should play it. So um, Saga's engine, I guess you could call it, and why it's unique is you you get your rule books and stuff that tell you interesting things that your faction does and that are unique to your faction. But then during the game, um, most everybody's stats across the board for all factions are the same. Like um, to wound a, a levy, which is like a, a farmer, you know, it's a certain role. To wound a warrior, it's another role. To wound a hearth guard, which is like an elite soldier, it's a certain role. And to wound a warlord, it's an, it's a role. And also the damage they do is also the same. Is it's the same across the board, and. The unique thing about it, what makes the, the factions different, is that you get what's called a battle board. And think of it as like a a menu. Like you get at a restaurant almost. So <laughs> each unit you put down gives you a, what's called a saga die or a saga dice. And depending on depending on it incorrectly, you, you use the grammar. <laughs> and um, you so normally it's five or six dice aside. And at the start of your turn, you roll all those dice, and there's three unique symbols, and it's three, two, one, or the rarities are the symbols. And all of the items on your little menu that you have that's unique to your faction require symbols to activate. And also to activate units to move and, like, do their attacks, you need to also spend symbols. So it's not like, uh, you know, I move all my guys and I attack. It's basically... I'll use, you know, this cross to activate this unit, this duck to activate this unit, this snake to activate this unit, and, you know, I activate my warlord who will activate this unit with him. And there's uh, there's on, there's on three columns on your little menu, your battle board. Uh, the left column, everybody has access to, and it's simple stuff like re-roll a die, uh, make your attack a little better, activate a number of units. But the middle and right column are unique to you. So, like, for the Irish that I play, it's stuff like if an enemy is too close to a terrain feature, you get to make a ranged attack against them, even if you have no ranged attacks, because it's like the Irish hiding in the forest throwing stones at you as you walk by on the road, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And it keeps it interesting because you can save save your dice for defensive and reaction abilities also. And your, your opponent can look and see on your battle board, well, you're, you're holding a die right there on that one thing that makes it so that you're better in melee. So you can see your opponent's trump card face up, so to speak, like when you're taking your turn. So it makes planning your turn a little bit better. And uh, as well as the, the saga dice, there's also a, a fatigue mechanic where if you fight in a combat or you do anything, you become fatigued where you gain... Uh, a fatigue counter on that unit and when you and your opponent are attacking you can spend your opponent's fatigue as a currency so say you're attacking me and you have two fatigue on you and like you need fours to hit me and i need fives to hit you i could say well actually i'm going to spend one of yours so you need fives to hit me and i'll spend another one of yours so i need fours to hit you so you can flip it that way so you can't really like you can build a death star that's fine Put that Death Star wipe out one unit and have two or three fatigue on it. So a unit of levies, you know, farmers can run up and it's it's thematic because, you know, your your heavy cavalry wipes out a unit of warriors 
And as they're they're tired from the the combat, a unit of farmers walks up with sickles and hacks them to death. So, <laughs> so it's unlike some of those games where that unit just can roll from yeah, you can't just roll through to target to target, yeah. and continuing to leave carnage in its wake. Now, is there a way to remove fatigue? Yep, you can rest your guys. Okay, and uh, like some units have like standard bearers that can like wave the standard, like all right, guys, let's not be so bad, and like you pick up a fatigue, you know. <laughs> And uh, I enjoy it. Uh, it's got a great community, um, mainly because it's so decentralized. Um, so Tomahawk does the, the core rulebook and like the supplements, but other than that, it's it's uh, you like pick a miniatures company and like they'll support it to themselves because it's in their best interest to make it do well. So there's a number of miniatures companies that are like trying to make the game better, and uh, the uh, so they'll all have like their own little scenarios you can play, and they'll like try and you know, make it to shows. Uh, I believe Footsore will be the one of the ones at um, Adepticon. I'm kind of biased towards them because I, I those, those are the models I buy, so, you know, they, they kind of like a, a uniform look. And uh, I play my little Irish with uh, a, a warrior priest with, like, a, a big, like, Celtic cross in each unit, and Brian Baru, the old, like, 80-year-old Irish king, sitting on a chair <laughs> leading the army. He can, he can only go, like, two inches a turn, but he's, like, very good at, like, you know, making guys more strategic. So what, um, how big of a table do you need to play on? Is it two by two, three by three? It, it depends on, uh, on how big you're going or what scenarios you're playing, but it's, it's, it's much smaller than what you're used to for like large 40k games, even a model count too. It, it kind of tones it down for about a, a full game of saga. It'd take about an hour and you'd be looking at, you could play it in about a two by two if you wanted with a handful of, uh, pieces of terrain or a few pieces of terrain. And uh, maybe I don't know about twenty five thirty models. Cool. Yeah. And uh, the the models are, you know, they're historicals. They they look like what they do. You know, the Irish don't have that. Like, there's like no chain mail at all on the faction. You know, there's like a few pieces of ring mail, and the occasional guy has like a nice looking helmet, and that's about it. Whereas the Vikings are all like ring mailed out with like spears and axes and javelins and stuff, and it's fun because everybody can look back on history and pick, you know, somebody they want to be in history. That that's one thing that. when you've kind of talked about it too. I've I've been absorbed in the show Vikings and the show yeah. The Last Kingdom on mm-hmm. Netflix, yeah. and some of those characters and the the actual historical importance of it are are available and present for the factions. So. I know that adds an element for me. It's it's rare that there's a historical miniature game that I'm interested in, but this one takes some of those elements and, and introduces them into a miniature game, which is pretty cool. Brian plays uh, Vikings, and uh, if you've seen the 13th Warrior, yeah. but if he ever like does a Viking thing and like slaughters my guys, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, he's like, those are women's noises, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> 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 uh, which is why I'm not I'm not stoked about playing Blood and Plunder with him with his British because he'll just quote Master and Commander all day like gonna see a guillotine in Piccadilly and he's like killing my guys <laughs> but I mean that's why historicals are fun because everybody has their allegiance and it's the same with you know like the World War II ones like Bolt Action and you know Saga's no different I like the Irish obviously you know it's where I'm from and uh Brian likes the Vikings because he's also jumped in on the Vikings show. So he loved the fact that he could like make those characters and 
some of those guys have that like weird side shave like hitler youth haircut that you can like paint onto your dudes <laughs> and brian's probably going nuts with like the tattoos and the the shields and yeah yeah and painting hey, I mean, ridiculously fast it's it's pretty much anybody in the dark ages like all the way from ireland all the way down to like the saracens and the the eastern armies and uh they can all play against each other so like there would have never been an irish warband playing against a saracen like caliphate you know but you can do it and uh the 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 thing they've been teasing about saga second edition is they've cleaned up some of the rules and they're adding uh, more factions eventually down the line and they're gonna take the jump into fantasy they're gonna have They've mentioned that they're going to have the design space to make uh, elven factions and stuff like that, and they wouldn't be bounced to play against your like historical guys, but it would be an option. But it'd be the same thing where you have your pool of dice, you roll it, and then you choose out of the pool to activate units with those dice or activate abilities on those units. But I've always been a fan of um, just going for activations with my Irish, like just getting them in the face of the Vikings and beating them to death. Which I think it's why I'm undefeated. I, I, what might have actually like sold me on the game. Sorry to spoil play it or slay it here. Uh, <laughs> you described the narrative battle where you were defending the the hearth. Defending I was defending village. the village from Brian's Vikings. Yeah, and the as the defender, you have to lose you have to lose a unit. You, like you're down a point, a whole point, which is a unit. So you just don't get a unit. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to wait for the Vikings to come and like attack your your village. And I was like, you know what? That's what the Irish used to do. All right, we used to hold up in our cat little towers and our cottages get burned out and murdered. <laughs> so Brian got within like charge range of my guys. And he was like setting up his line to go like loot the village. And I was like, I, I, I charge out of my houses. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm charging out. I'm meeting you in the field. And he's like, what? And I caught him completely by surprise. And I like decimated his, his army. And he's like, that's not how it went. And I was like, that's how it went today. You know, like. Oh, that's good. Well, I was going to ask, is there, it sounds like there's scenarios around yeah. it too. So it's not yeah. kind of, and that might be what I also had some flavor to it. Right. Yeah, and they're you know they're obviously it's a historical, so they try and draw from history with the and the the different um, splat books and the core book of scenarios, and then also on the like the official forums. Uh, I know Adepticon's a big a big convention for Saga, so when they run their events, um, they'll try and come up with custom um, scenarios, just kind of kind of like what you know they do for Forty K Fantasy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, those scenarios get like uploaded online for people to mess around with. So I mean, w- the reason we like that one I did where like I rode out and like met him on the field was an online one, and we did that because we we played through everything in the in the books. I was like, all right, let's let's check it out. And there's also like a there's like a Ragnarok one where just killing stuff gave you like a like a victory condition or no if you if you like held victory. Uh, like uh, victory points on the field like your enemy for each victory point you claimed your enemy had to pick up a model because it was like Ragnarok and they weren't like fighting hard enough you were like you were holding the the spots favored by the gods and it's you know it's, it's thematic and it's it's kind of cool to feel like you're rewriting history so that your people were not oppressed for 400 years by the Vikings and then the British so you know <laughs> uh, so I mean accessible uh, size of size of armies um 
interesting rule set. Sensible, yeah. Um, not a huge amount of space. So, Troy, I know you have your miniature games you play. Any interest? Do you think you would play it or slay it, Saga? I, I feel like I'm gonna probably buy some of it or at least buy the rule book maybe uh, to start with and, and and leaf through it and look at that and then it sounds like there's enough variety in the in the factions that I'll, i'd find something to throw out there and maybe that that would grab me and, and go especially the interesting thing about them jumping into fantasy that could be interesting uh, to do that but yeah so maybe i'll put it in the i'll probably dip my toe into this i'm, I'm interested because i've again i had some uh somebody at work who played in a lot and into that so i was interested in a little bit already and this has kind of pushed me a little bit further all right josh yeah i, I need another miniatures game like i need another hole in my head you don't have enough <laughs> but this does sound interesting and i'm I, yeah it, it's kind of plus if we both do vikings we can line up across the field and just yell shield wall at each shield other. Wall. And then as we move towards each other, we can drink mead. Mm-hmm. And then we can roll dice and drink more mead. Mm-hmm. My warband can slaughter your warband, sending you to Valhalla, which will mm. be cool. And then we can drink mead after. So like, You're there's both. three points to drink mead. You're both Uhtred, son of Uhtred. Mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah, let's do it. I'm in. You're in? Play yeah. it. All right. We'll play it. And I mean, I'm playing it. I'm already committed this and war machine will sold me on it lvo <laughs> no, no just just don't do it's kind of hard machine. not to when you're right next to the private we were yeah oh, so you guys were yeah, staring at him the whole time I'm like how did these guys play how did these guys it was by osmosis we couldn't help it it's like all right i guess <laughs> and i used to play war machine but it's like all right i guess i'll get back into it so i'm standing next to you for a weekend <laughs> all right so that is saga i think unanimously we've all decided we'll probably follow our acquisition disorders and pick up the rules if not a warband at adepticon um speaking of adepticon march 22nd through the 25th at the renaissance schaumburg uh anvil 8 will be there with a large booth maybe some extra play space and uh a number of hacktivists and company employees yeah um it's our greatest con i think maybe Adepticon and Gen Con, our greatest numbers of uh, guys on hand to show you the ropes and get you get you into gaming, first of all. get You you can walk up to our booth, demo any of our games, and if you seem excited and want to give it another shot, we can send you only a few tables away to sit down and actually play a full game, which we're happy to do. So Excellent. And uh, we'll be there. We've talked about the events we're running as, as a group, The Basement of Death. Uh, look for playing and slaying t-shirts on the floor of the different tournaments. Um, I'm sure we'll have some stickers and, and cards and other, other stuff to, to get out there. Um, other events coming up, Brew City Brawl, uh, April 28th and 29th, a local Milwaukee Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament. We did sell out our 36 uh, well in advance, and we ended up expanding our uh, our space to uh, allow for 42 players. So we, we had a wait list. We got them all in. There's still a wait list. We have a few more. We're not going to be able year one to expand larger than 42 players. Um, but it, it's pretty exciting to have uh, have that sell out already, you know, uh, two months out. So we're excited to, to put that on um, at the Crown Plaza down by the airport here in Milwaukee. 
Then we'll also be going out to Nexus in some capacity. They have moved from downtown at the Hyatt out to the Clarion Hotel by the airport Thursday, May 31st through Sunday, June 3rd, hoping to unload some more of my games in the auction there, Uh, maybe play some board games for a day or two. Um, And then, obviously, Gen Con, early August this year, 2nd through the 5th, uh, we just got through the gauntlet of housing. Now, a few of us have figured out other means, but Troy, how how did it go? Um, I, I will always say I was, I was rescued by another member of the basement of death <laughs> into having some some place to stay. So so we're good, um, but yeah, not not through any help of my own. What <laughs> was your What was your lottery time? Uh, our earliest was. Um, 3.30, I think, 3.30 Eastern. And you might as well stay in Gary, Indiana. Uh, yeah, and by, by that, that time, by that time you were, yeah, anything yeah. downtown was gone. And that was only, what, two hours? Yeah, two hours after, two and a half hours after. Like so, that, so I can't wait to see how they screw up event registration in a in a while. But uh, Gen Con will be here before we know it. Adepticon right around the corner. Uh, definitely we'll be at all those events, a few other tournaments throughout the year, cons and whatnot. But as always... Um, Please check us out on iTunes. Leave a review. Always look forward to seeing what anyone has to say. Uh, contact us at, uh, through Facebook at Play and Slay and Show on Twitter and through the website basementofdeath.com or any of our names at basementofdeath.com uh, for questions or information. So thank you very much for listening. Will, thank you for being here. Thanks, oh, Will. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a, been a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Loved having you in. So, as always, everyone, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. So this horse one day, he's got a pretty normal life. He uh, he goes to work and uh, gets home, and he lives in a condo building above a bar and a music shop. And it's always been a, a life goal of his to play the guitar, but obviously he's a fucking horse, so he can't play the guitar. <laughs> so he's down at the bar one day. Bar he goes to every day, and he's talking to the bartender, and the bartender says, "Hey, what's got you down, bud?" And he says, oh, "I just love to play the guitar." So the bartender says, have you tried going to the music store? And he says, well, I mean, it's worth a shot. So he walks into the music store and uh, he says, hey, I'm uh, looking to learn how to play the guitar. And the guy behind the counter is like, are you kidding me? You're a horse. How are you going to play the guitar? And he's like, yeah, you're right. It was a dumb idea. (laughs) But then there's a voice from the back of the, the store and it's the young stock boy. He's like a high school kid just there on the weekends. And he's like, oh, wait, boss, I was cleaning out the stock room, and I found a book that says how to play the guitar when you're a horse. <laughs> so the shop owner is like, wow, that's crazy. We'll have to sell it to him. <laughs> so they give him the book, and he also buys a nice, like, Stradivarius. And 
nice little amp and he goes up and he takes it up to his little apartment condo and he starts playing away and practicing and he sucks for a while but after about a week he's pretty good and that's when his buddy the rabbit comes to visit <laughs> so he's just there playing in his condo and his buddy the rabbit comes and visits him and uh the rabbit says what are you doing horse and he's like dude i can play the guitar and the rabbit's like dude are you high you're a horse how can you play the guitar and he's like watch and he plays this like beautiful riff and the rabbit's like well that reminds me of how i've always wanted to thump away on some drums <laughs> and the horse says let's go downstairs to the music store and ask him so they both go downstairs and the, the shop owner sees him and the rabbit goes up to them and the rabbit says, hey, I'd love to I'd love to be able to play the drums. And the shop owner says, you're like a two and a half pound rabbit. How are you going to play the drums? <laughs> and the rabbit's like, you're right. It was a dumb idea. But then this kid comes out of the stock room again and he's like, hey, boss, mate. <laughs> I was back there clearing out the stock room and I found this book. And it's like, how to play the drums when you're a two and a half pound rabbit. So the guy's like, well, let's sell it to him. So they sold it to him, and they sold him a nice little, like, Zijin cymbal <laughs> kit and some nice drums and everything. And they go back up to the horse's apartment, and they just rock out. And sure, the rabbit can't keep a can't keep a cadence for anything. So they, uh... But after about a week, he gets pretty good. And the rabbits go to the horse's house every day after work, and they practice and practice and practice. And then their buddy, the bear, comes to visit. <laughs> and the bear walks in, and he hears them playing. And he's like, oh my god, you guys can play musical instruments. And they said, yeah. And the bear said, well, I've always wanted to play the trombone. <laughs> and they said, hey, let's go down to the music shop. You never know. So they go down to the music shop. And uh, they walk in, and the owner's like, oh my god, these guys again. <laughs> so they walk up to the owner, and they say, hey, our buddy here wants to learn how to play the trombone. And he said, you're a bear. You don't even have lips. You got like a snout and teeth. <laughs> And the bear's like, you know, yeah, it was, it was a dumb idea. But then this kid comes out of the stock room. <laughs> and he says, hey, boss, I was cleaning up the stock room this morning and I found this book. And it says how to play the trombone when you're a bear. <laughs> so the bear buys the book and he buys a nice trombone. And they make a little three-person band and they practice away. And eventually they get good enough to book a gig at the bar. So they book a gig and they, they play it and nobody shows up. But a few days go by or a few weeks go by and then people start showing up. And then before about a year, they're, they're selling out that bar. <laughs> and then some guy comes in and says, hey, I'm a manager. And I want to give you guys a gig. I want you to travel the country. And it's going to end at the Hollywood Amphitheater Bowl, you know, that big Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. An iconic venue. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do it. So they travel the country. They're like Columbus, New, Jer New Jersey. They're bouncing around everywhere. And uh, the horse gets pretty pretty into the drugs and the drink, and he's like, you know, I founded this band. I'm the guitar player. I get the drugs, the women, all that stuff. And the women come easy because he's a horse, so <laughs> they, uh, they just do their tour. And then what ends up happening is they're about to go out. Uh, it's like the two days before the Hollywood show at the end of the tour, and he hurts himself, the horse. He, uh, he like, limps one of his own... Uh, one of his own hoofs and he can't play the guitar anymore it's his it's his it's his plucking hoof i guess <laughs> and uh he tells the guys he says uh guys i can't i can't do the show and he gets in a big fight with the rabbit and the bear and they say dude this is just you having second thoughts because now 
once we have this, this is it. It's going to be serious. And there's going to be no more rock stars. I'm going to put in the real hours on the, the horses. How dare you? I, I put in the work. I, I put in the footwork before you guys even knew what they were. I got you into this. And, you know, I'm the reason we've all been doing this for so long. And I'm, I'm the reason we have so many good fans. And uh, the rabbit and the bear saying, you know what? We're going to prove you wrong. We can do this without you. We're going to go to Hollywood with or without you. So the horse, of course, impetulant child of a rock says, yeah, whatever, you go, I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> so they get on the plane with the manager and their roadies, and the plane doesn't make it. The plane crashes over the Rockies. Everybody on board's dead. So it's just the horse now. And he hears the news, and he decides the partying got him into this, so it's going to get him out of it, and he's going to party himself to death, this horse is going to go drink himself to death. So he walks back down to the bar where it all started, and he goes right in the door, and the bartender says, Hey, horse, why the long face? Hungover point in my life uh, in Vegas, and I'm listening like with bated breath, and then I get that. Oh, yeah, that was good. 